Let's go down to ringside. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. our vantage point the retro wrestling podcast this is episode number 193 and it is monday september the 21st 2020 the last day of summer thank you so much for being with us here as we romp you through the world of retro wrestling yet again i'm joe morata i'm joined by michael quinn how you doing there michael howdy doody hello there michael hi Uh, so summer is ending this is it this is the last day of it good (laughs) it's been a long one I, I, I think it's time for the fall to step in and you're ready. You know, give the side suplex to summer or something. You're ready for uh, for the fall to just tag right yeah. in, huh? Okay. Fall, fall does seem more Dino Bravo like. We need a little Dino uh, yeah. in our lives here, and maybe you do too, folks. But whatever you need, go to Twitter. That's a good place to go to check out some OVP stuff at OVP Podcast. What you're gonna find there is clips, like a dozen clips per day. It's it's on this day type of stuff, right? So today's September twenty first. If you go to Twitter at OVP Podcast, there's going to be clips from September 21st. I don't even know what's September 21st, so that's, yeah, I, I have to go out. over to the Twitter and find out what the hell happened. That go day, find out. Know? Yeah, that's right. And it's a drama free. We just post the clips and we have a little fun there. That's at OVP Podcast on Twitter. You can also email us at OVP Podcast at gmail.com. That is OVP Podcast at gmail.com. But a great place to talk to me and Quinn and hundreds of other retro wrestling fanatics about Dino Bravo, for example, would be over on the Facebook. Yeah, Facebook.com slash Bravo. It's it's, it's associated with the network, possibly. Right, of course. Yes, Bravo The Dino Bravo Network. Remember? (laughs) That's that's why they called it that. No, it is named after him, of course. Of course. Yes. Right. And I'm sure Dave Van Antwerp or somebody will post a Photoshop now today. Right. Involving that. And of course, you know, that that site, Bravo, Facebook, whatever, it has a great search bar. It does, yes. And in the search bar, you type Arvan point yeah retro wrestling podcast bing bang boom tubes gore kaflui all the ceremonial salt and stuff yeah all that you see the group you hit join and you're in and that's it that's all you have to do is join the group yeah you you agree to one and only one rule which is don't be what a dingus don't there's no dingus free over there yeah no we don't do that there it's a very anti anti dingus zone yeah and what that means basically is uh well, think about it, right? If you're on the internet and you're typing to somebody, you might have seen this before on the internet, right? And someone's mean and you use like you use personal insults and start like, getting this whole like insulting discussion. Don't do that. That's it, we don't do that. Usually, there. when that happens, a big sign goes above your head that says "I'm a dingus." Yeah, you have to wear the dingus sign. Yeah, for the dingus rest of the hat day. or whatever. <laughs> The whole point, though, really, is just to have fun over there. Just talk about old wrestling, the minutia of old wrestling, broad subjects. doesn't have to just be WWF. It could be WCW. If you're Ruben, it could be AWA. It could be world class. Anything you want, talk about it. Just be nice enough to each other and about we, it. And we clarify, talking about, like, Nawa or AWA doesn't make you a thing. Yeah, you could talk and about you, Nawa. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> and, you know, we don't, if it's the bad promotions, I don't mind. That doesn't make you a dingus. Just don't be like, that thing is better and you stink yeah don't like, say you stink uh, yeah that that's that's bad that's, that's dingus that's mean uh and also if you want to support ovp you can it's patreon.com slash ovp podcast the only thing i'm going to say is you get a lot of extra content there uh the highest tier we have is five dollars a month and that's going to get you everything we have including which is out right now 
Royal Rumble 91 and wow. every pay-per-view all the way back to WrestleMania 1. It's a lot of pay-per-views. It's a lot of pay-per-views. Yeah, and you can get it right now literally for just five bucks a month. Sign up now, try it out. If you don't like it, cancel. Patreon.com slash OVP podcast. But Michael, you know, we're counting down. It's 193 now. We're counting down to episode 200, which is wow. pretty crazy. I didn't think we'd I, be doing this that I long. I 200 years. It's, <laughs> it's a lot of years, man. It's Two long centuries, I, I must say. It has been. The uh, OVP Bicentennial will be celebrating very soon. And as a thank you to all of our fans that have remained with us, whether it's since 2016 or just recently, we wanted to take uh, your questions, your topics for discussion here in a segment that we call Ask OVP, where basically we dip into our mailbag. Come on in here, young man. We have the intern oh, bringing right. it in. The boy. Yeah, there the OVP is. boy, the intern. The Michael uh, Cole or Kevin <laughs> Kelly yeah, this exactly. week. I don't know. Todd Grisham, maybe. Yeah. Uh, set it down. Okay. Yeah, right there. Right. Okay. Thank you, sir. And don't uh, make me... <laughs> Don't make me pick that bag up myself. Yeah, no, no, no. Don't make... Quinn can't be doing the work. He's the talent here. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, all right, let's turn this music off. Thank you. Okay. Quinn, let's uh, take a question here. Let's see what we want to uh, be talking about. Let's open the envelope here. This one is from Pat Ray. Oh, Pat. Long timer. I think he's he's a 2016. He's an OVP OG. He's been here for 200 years. Yes. Uh, that stands for Old Geezer. Yeah. <laughs> he's an old... There it is. <laughs> oh, there it is. Oh, there it is. Oh, there it is. And Pat Ray... Has a question for us, Michael. Mm-hmm. He says, "Who are the most over wrestlers who never became world champion?" Well, <laughs> I know we've favorites. had this discussion before <laughs> on this show to it's an like, extent. Yes. So, do we want to start with the fact that we believe we both believe this that if you didn't have the world title, you didn't have the world title. Tough shit. Like it's not for like, the most part. It, it, that's kind of our rule of thumb. Yeah, I mean, because what I want to know. Yeah. <laughs> Before you, thank you, Pat. By the way, Pat's yeah, a great thank guy. You, Pat been been with us for literally since almost the beginning. Right, but we have to debate this. We first. have to debate this. Yes. Do you really? What I want to know is, you know, I see this on Twitter a lot, right? Because I post a lot of clips, and I can't tell you the number of people from Bad News Brown to what? Ted DiBiase mm-hmm. that people comment on and say he should have been world champion. He should have been world champion. Well, Ted DiBiase did have the world. He tried. Track, remember. Yes. <laughs> The Million Dollar Man and New World Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Champion, Ted DiBiase. My question internally is always, instead of who? That's always my question. Yeah, instead of Paul Hogan. Instead of, yeah. Basically. And why would you do, like, just say you're a fan and you really liked this wrestler and you wanted them to win in kayfabe, but you're Mm -hmm. not, like... From a business standpoint, why would Bad News Brown be the world champion during that period of time? I mean, listen, I know he... Or Mr. Perfect. I know Bad News Brown, for example, debates that, you know, or says that he was promised or something. Yeah. But, you know what? Even if they promise him, when it comes down to, like, brass tacks and, like, they get to, like, the moment... Yeah. If, like, people aren't going to see house shows because of Bad News Brown, then they're not going to put the belt on him. That's yeah, you know honestly, what I mean? like because that's like that's literally their bread and butter. That's right. That's why they're suffering so much now because they can't do house shows, right? True. So, so you think they would just be like, let's put our house show business in peril yeah. with this guy that when he comes out, everyone's like, what? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? And they had WWF had a different business model than most other territories, which was have a face champion that fought off bad guys, right? Whereas the NWA for a lot of its history had a heel champion that would travel the territories and the top face in that territory would now, almost win it. Do you think this is a reason why people, especially in the 80s and maybe early 90s, while the NWA still existed in the Ric Flair model and everything, 
that there's a lot of people that were very maybe confused by this, like just casual maybe. fans. Like they're like, well, why doesn't Bad News Brown or win the world Roddy title Piper or something like win the world like in WF? You know, the heels win over there. Why don't they win over here? There's might be some validity to that, but I think for me, the reason like a guy that like Piper never won, and he would definitely be one of the answers to this question. Who's one of the most over wrestlers? I never right. Roddy Piper comes to mind immediately. He's over as a heel, yes, and a face. And the reason he didn't win the world title, you know, a lot of times you say, well, he didn't need to. Yeah, but also they didn't need him to. Right. He was feuding with people, and that alone was good enough. Like, mm-hmm. what purpose would him? winning the world title accomplished what would that do I think that you know? also comes from a lot of times that piper himself made a gimmick especially when he got to wcw out of like oh, i never won the world title i gotta win the world title but like yeah. it was like a gimmick it wasn't like <laughs> yeah. it wasn't like he actually wanted to he didn't care like I don't he's think like he i'm did. making money in movies and like they pay me a lot to be like true the top guy around here true yeah like, even without a belt you're talking garbage this guy comes out 280 pounds and all of a sudden everybody in boston is standing up and cheering and talking about hulkamania uh, oh hot rod walks out and all of a sudden everybody's booing thinking hot rod ain't gonna stand no chance <laughs> he was just as important as hulk hogan in 1985 he was yeah. in terms of the business but it doesn't belt's not real like, yeah. I know, like, listen, I know that people care about it. Fans care about it. Wrestlers. But really, it just signifies that the company really believes in you. I think a lot of wrestlers would take not being the champion to getting big paydays yes. because it had a strong champion. Yes. And it endangers all of them if, like, the not the right guy is the world title. Like, it what? endangers them making money. Why do you think a lot of people weren't happy when a warrior was champion? Because right. they weren't doing as well. Not just people, not just like the warrior himself. No, or no, what, no, You know, and people around him, his supporters. I'm talking about the other people the boys. doing business with him. And yes. like, well, if we can't make as much money when we have Hulk Hogan here, then we don't want to do this. Right. right? That's all there is yeah. to it. I mean, why Why was Bruno the champion so long? Why was Hogan the champion? Because it made money. Right. And it's a gamble t- to change your entire anytime, business model. Anytime you move it around. Yeah. yeah. But it's a gamble to change your entire business model so you can please the Smarks 30 years into the future. Right. But that being Sorry. said, what are some people, okay, right, yes, that would like to qualify? Most over, definitely Roddy Piper. Yes, One Roddy of the Piper. most over. I mean, we've said things like in the past that we've observed ourselves, like Jim Duggan and Ivan Putski in his time. Very like, over wrestlers, very right? Res- two wrestlers that come in, they never ever lose. <laughs> right. Every time they come in, everyone's like, yeah! Yeah, it's true. Yeah, like, it's true. Yeah, you know, we joke, like, people are like, Ivan Putski, what are you talking about? Go Hell watch. Yeah. Watch like, him in it, the 70s and 80s. It, it, people are like, this is the best shit, and <laughs> yeah. he fucking never ever loses. Yep. Like, punch, 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 pull his hammer, everyone's like, fuck yes. Like, you know, like, seriously. Sing the song, sometimes drink a beer. Yeah. And everyone's like, we love this guy. Yeah. Police power! Duggan, same thing. Ho, tough yeah. guy, you know. He doesn't even need music because everyone's just hoeing. <laughs> yeah. Like, so those are two, but should they have ever won the world title? No, of course no. not. But great over-wrestlers. Uh, another one, I think, Mr. Pervert was pretty over. Does he qualify as like most over? I mean, so, okay. He's retrospectively really loved. First of all, like I look oh, at the stuff and I don't see him like even close to like Macho Man as a heel, like over. You know what I mean? Like when Macho Man was a heel, right? That's, I don't think that's he's like as over as Macho Man as a heel, right? Yeah. Mr. Perfect was always a guy, in my opinion, that, you know, a lot of people thought had a lot of potential. He did. And he never really lived up to it as far as like a draw. 
for one reason or another, right. whether it's injury or booking or whatever, right? It, I think a lot of it, first of all, is the Mr. Perfect character is very one-dimensional. What do you do with that? Like, he's perfect. And then if he turns face, why does he not seem like an asshole? Because he just says he's perfect all the time. Like, true. You know what I mean? That, like, that is tough, right? Yeah. What a perfect opportunity for me, Mr. Perfect. When is his most over period? Like 90? 90. Yeah, that's like when the the full, like, everyone's like, oh, look at all the potential, right? He's a good Intercontinental Champion, but yeah, I, I do tend to agree with you. How do you have that be your world champion? Once he's already been beaten, you've already, and which he was, right, before he won the IC, you lose the allure of the perfect aspect. You know right. what I'm saying? They gave him, like, a really strong run with the, to the point where, like, he got to destroy the WF belt and everything. With genius, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. it's not like they didn't, like, push him to the edge of being the world champion. Like sure. they, they push him all the way up to the top. All the way up, yeah. And then they kind of said, okay, well, you're just going to be the Intercontinental Champion. Like, right. I, that's the funny part is nobody remembers, is like, he was in main event runs. With Hogan. With Hogan, and then they went to the Intercontinental yeah. title later. Yeah, I mean, they gave him a good run in the main event. Hogan was fine working with him, I guess, but that uh-huh. was it. Uh-huh. But over guy, uh, Scott Hall always comes to mind and comes up in these discussions. Very over uh, yeah, in Scott Hall two was, aspects. Yeah, so Scott Hall... First of all, why he was a big... He's huge. Like, physically, physically, he's large enough to seemingly be the world champion, right? Uh, About the same size, not muscular-wise, but almost as Hulk Hogan. The same height. But, I mean, he also had a great physique, too. Yeah, and he looked... So, he he checks off all the... He can wrestle... He's good got promo. he's got an over finisher, good promo, good all look. The, he, he's got all this stuff, right? Yeah, he really does. But from my understanding, from what I can tell, it just seems strictly like they just couldn't trust him. Like as if drugs. He had some issues with drugs in the mid nineties. Right. Uh I don't know if he's a guy that ever actively campaigned to be world champion. Yeah, that's also the other thing is Not like everyone wanted to be. When he was he Barely clean in like 94, 95, like for, for the most part. Like you enough, know, to, enough, enough to work. Who am I to say? I guess we'd have to ask Scott Hall because he would tell us <laughs> yeah. nowadays. Like he would, he would literally be like, y'all, I was clean then, but then in 1995 in October, I was, you know what I mean? Like something like highly specific. That's <laughs> true. Like, um, I don't know, Quinn, but yeah, I think he was already maybe having some problems around the mid 90s. But when's his most over in WF? Probably 94. 94, 95. Right? Yeah. yeah. All right, Razor Ramon. Yo, yo, Ray. What's wrong with this picture? I don't know. But also in NWO, he was very over in WCW, 96, 97. Especially, the, you know what was interesting? I always say this, but his 98, when he won like two belts, but he was like drunk as shit. That... The crowds were loving that. I loved it. He was there. very over in 98 still. Yeah, it was ridiculous. That weird, like, singles-only Scott <laughs> yeah, Hall. Like, yep, why, yep. What is he doing? And he's, like, beating everyone. I remember and you're like, what the fuck? Like, this what is, is this? This is awesome. I and he, was, like, he didn't even give a shit. That <laughs> yeah. was, like, his character. Like, and then I'll I beat know, this man. guy. I don't know. I like, come in the ring. I <laughs> kick his ass. Like, that's, like, what happened. You're right. Yeah, that was a weird period for him. Yeah. Uh, would he qualify, though, as an over-enough wrestler? Probably, yeah. right? Probably. Yeah, again, this is a guy that would qualify, but there's trust issues there. It's not, it's like, I don't know if he's going to be asleep when the main event starts in the locker room or his apartment or whatever. Is he going to make all his dates? Is he going to do the promotional stuff that we need him to do? There's a lot that goes into being champion. Yeah, it's not just, it's not just showing up at MSG and like, 
fighting in the middle of the card and leaving. It's consistently performing at a level where people believe in you. They want to see you, whether you're heel or face. They they believe in your character. And you, you got to do all the other shit. You got to do all the PR, especially right. 80s and into the 90s, right? But even that, like Cena did all of it. You got to do the PR. You got to be a good representative of the company. You got to have your act together. You have to show up for work every single day. Maybe some guys don't want the pressure of that yeah. too. And I and I think a lot of the weird the weird one you said when you said the PR. This is the stuff that I don't think a lot of people think of. You know, somebody like the world champion has to go to like the local fucking shitty towns at like the armory and be like i'm signing autographs and that's like supposed to promote the event so that people buy tickets to like you know rotary club we like you know what i'm not kidding yeah like, but this all happened that, this, this is all, this, this happens it like before the covid this yeah, was still does. going on they would go to some piddly dink town and like if seth rollins is the champion hey. he's got to go like literally like sign the autographs yes. like so being the champion is not like great like it's not amazing <laughs> it's more work <laughs> yeah it's it more work is. yeah 1-800 loan mark brother it sounds like you need more money to have fun. Uh, and Hogan was really good at it, and that's why they had him do it for so long. I mean, right, that's, exactly. that's the answer there. It's not necessarily him just holding people back from seeing their favorite wrestler win. Mm-hmm. It's not always that. I'm not saying Hogan didn't politic. Don't get me wrong. I know there's, that he did. There's rewards of being the champion, <laughs> yes. and then there's also like responsibilities that are not <laughs> right. very pretty. Like, right. <laughs> that's a good point. It's going to Ho-Dunk fucking Montana <laughs> like, and having to sign autographs for six people. Like, oh god you, can you imagine I, that's what i mean it's like that stuff it's got to be like oh, I, don't, I don't even want to get up today like you know what i mean <laughs> yeah what about dustin rhodes he never won a world title that's yeah that's right? a, that's a weird one Surprising. especially for a guy that um where his issue his issues were they actual issues ever or was that yes. all a gimmick no they, like, there were issues at okay. some point yes was, but, sure but not that was like a very minor part of his career that was like two years at most something like that but yeah but is he was he over enough to be world champion anywhere I, I think know. if he was given the opportunity, he would have been. That's one yeah. guy that could have been if they just... It's just like, I don't know what... If he had a part in saying, I don't want to, like... I Just let me be in the mid-card. And, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, he, like, yeah. he seemed like that guy that part of it was... He didn't want to be like his father, from my understanding, right? Like he, like especially right, Dusty he, was never around. He says in a lot of things, yeah. Yeah, he, so maybe, maybe that was just like a personality thing. It was just like I like doing this, I like wrestling, right. but I don't want to be Dusty Rhodes. I don't want to be Paul Hogan, or you know, just maybe let me Quinn. leave me be. Let me entertain the crowds in my own way, and they just let him because he was good at it. He was damn good at it. Yeah, yeah Dustin Rhodes is one. Uh, what about Bruiser Brody? Was always over. In the 70s and 80s. He, yeah, but he was, he was like a main draw, wasn't he? he like, yeah, but he was like a rotated... He just tore through promotions, you know, and he was never really in one spot. You can't give the anybody like that. No, like, you can't, right? If that's their business model, like where they just go from That's what he It's his own personal MO, you know what I mean? There was tons of guys like that. That's like what... You know who's a, a throwback to that, and he he's even sort of looks like him, but like Necro Butcher was a guy, <laughs> no joke, that guy, literally, he followed the business model of, like, he just went to indie promotion, indie promotion. He was everywhere. He did, in, like, ROH, the, the late The late 2000s. Like, he went everywhere. He was in combat zone. Yeah. He was everywhere. It didn't matter. Yeah. Like, I mean, he still does stuff occasionally. Yeah, he's, he like, did. really old, but, <laughs> like, he, he, he will, like, show up. Necro Butcher. Yeah. Is there anyone else? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot more. We just can't cover them all. Right, but in all these models there's Buff always there, there's <laughs> always a reason right beefcake always you know either parasailing would happen or <laughs> or like to be honest with you he was like pigeonholed into like hulk's friend and like yeah. i could never like 
I don't think there was people who legitimately were like, he should be the one. No, I don't like, think nobody so, Nobody right? was like clamoring <laughs> for that. that. That's like brown nose sniffer, man. Right. Like, it's like, I don't want him. Like, what the fuck? Uh, Bam Bam Bigelow? Now, Bam Bam was a guy that marketed himself like he was like a future world champion, like at the beginning. And then he like settled into this 1993 mode where he's just like, I work here now. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know what his problem is? What do you think, Bam Bam? <laughs> I found love. You have sensitivity, Bam Bam Bigelow. I said I had sensitivity. I have found love. You know what his problem is? The flame clothes. That hurt him as a champion well, for Well, in 1995. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, in general, his attire didn't seem, like, good enough to oh, me. Oh, you mean even in the beginning? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, yeah, what it is this guy? He's too goofy. I can't explain it. <laughs> he seems like, I, yeah, I don't know, like, do, do the elements work with him or something? Why couldn't they make him, like, supernatural, like he could control fire? That right. would make him seem cooler. Of course. That's that's all we want. Yeah. Um, I mean, Undertaker does that shit. True, yeah. So he can control the lights. Why can't Banner control the fire? <laughs> Is there anyone else, Quinn? I feel like there's someone I'm missing from like the early 80s or late 70s or something like that, like from that era, but maybe not. I mean, um, there's not a lot of guys that like... We're here's truly the, over Here's the thing, is the job description we described as world champion. Yeah. Like, there's not a lot of guys that can do that. It takes like a special talent. Like It does. In both, it, po- we, you, in you're both not, companies. You, maybe you aren't, you are just thinking of just like what it appears on screen, but it's really that off screen shit that that's like it's part what of it. makes a good champion. Sure. Like Bret Hart seemed like a guy that liked to do that. Oh yeah, he loved I mean, it. He, he thought he w- actually was yeah. a, a wrestling champion in real life or what? He, he lived for it, Quinn. Yeah, yeah. Shawn Michaels didn't. He was he, like, he, right. ah, party it, pills, and then know, he it's actually lost a smile on his it, knee. It says a lot that he want that the title to him it meant that like he could do it, but he never really wanted to keep it. You know what I mean? Even when he just he, didn't want to lose it either, right? But because he felt it was like a status thing. But when he yes. came back, what was interesting, when he came back and all that shit was gone. <laughs> He's like, I don't want that shit. <laughs> yeah, he would just be like, just, I want to be the best guy on the club. Yeah. I still want to be the best guy, yeah. but I don't want the fucking belt. Yeah, like, like, don't give me that. Yeah, I'm yeah, not doing exactly. that. Exactly. So and then he like lived on for like eight years without, like, he won the just, one title reign and this never the had shitty the, title, too, yeah, in the yeah. shitty brown tights, right? That's what's always very happy about it is he, like, found his balance it was in great. his later no, career. Like, he was like, no, I'm just gonna be the best wrestler, but I don't need I, to be the champion. Don't give me the title, please. Yeah. Like, keep it away And from literally, me. like, during that eight-year period, he was considered, he was like, the best. Like, people... One like, of the, yes. It was like him and John Cena were, like, the best wrestlers on the roster. In WWF? Yeah. Yeah, because Punk was kind Triple of H not doing was, as much. But Triple H was always considered yeah. a level below Sean because during he is. that period. Like, forever like, yeah, he like, is. Yeah. Even though he presented himself as <laughs> like bigger, not. he wasn't. Like, <laughs> it's a story for another time. Yeah. Triple H is not... I don't want to get started, but yeah. whatever he says, just don't believe him. Yeah. Uh, anyway, folks, let us know. Thank you, Pat Ray, by the way, for the question there. And let us know who you think are some more people that maybe were really over enough to be the world champion from a crowd standpoint, but never won the world title anywhere, whether it was WWF or the NWA. You can do that, of course, on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can email us or join the group. But Quinn, when we come back, we have two more names to pull out of the list for the best factions in wrestling that's right it's the royal rankings two names coming out of the tank we're gonna see where they rank it is coming up right after this all right listen up this is slick rick here to tell you how to get the greatest wrestling video ever made. I'm talking about the very best versus the very best 
all on one hot video cassette. Woo, check this out. This is it, Daddy, the great American bash. You won't see it on TV ever. It's just too hot. Nine matches and two explosive hours from the 86 Tour. Imagine the awesome chain match between Ivan and Nikita Koloff and the Road Warriors. The Boogie Woogie Man versus Shasta Wadley and Paul Jones in the most bizarre and twisted haircutting match ever. And yes, the Rock and Roll Express versus the Anderson. Plus, Ron Garvin versus Tully Blanchard. Ooh, and Baby Doll looking so fine, finally gets her hands on that wimp, Jim Cornette. And yes, folks, the main event, yours truly, Ooh, Slick Rick styling and profiling against Dusty Rhodes for the big one, the World Heavyweight Championship. Who won? Who lost? My lips are sealed. If you want to find out, get ready to order this great video cassette now. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. It is episode number 193, the last day of summer, Monday, September the 21st, 2020. How you doing there, Michael? Uh, howdy. Howdy. Uh, so we are, uh, not only is summer ending, Quinn, mm -hmm. but we are continuing on here, the Royal Rankings. Now, what the hell is that? I, what? <laughs> royal <laughs> what Rankings? What is that? What is all what, this? What is all this? Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you, before the season starts, we ask you, the fans, to give us a list of your 10 best and 10 worst of something, and our chief statistician. That's right. We have a statistical analyst, Joe Merkel. Joseph P. Merkel. Joseph P. Merkel. He the takes, P is for respect. <laughs> there it is. He takes all of the votes from the best and worst, puts them into two separate tanks, and then Quinn and I each week draw out two names, and it is done randomly. You can see that on the raw video on Patreon, until at the end of the season, we will come up with the definitive, scientifically ranked, non-GMO, USDA certified organic, baptized, ordained, and healthy. Best and worst factions in wrestling. Now, Quinn, we've talked about it. A good faction helped the company. Yes. Helped the wrestlers in that faction, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe provided for some engaging television, some memorable storylines, things like that. Yes. And right now on the board, we only have two, obviously. Yes, we do. And those two are at number one, the NWO, of course. New World Odor. Yes, the New World Odor. As they're known yes. around here. <laughs> New World Odor. And number two is the Nation, uh, or the Nation of Domination, and that's it. Those are the only two on there right now, folks, so this is going to be fun to see the next two names. We're going to see where they rank. I want to remind you, Quinn and I don't vote these in here. We are just ranking we, what you guys voted. We don't we do not do that. We, don't, we are unbiased. We, we, are, we are completely removed yes. from the voting. We are just scientists here in our lab trying to find out using evidence. They using hand us the <laughs> specimens, okay? It's like... They come through like a tube, like the bank. That's all it is. Yeah, yes. it's like the specimens come in and they're like, okay, here we go. I don't know how they fit a whole stable in a tube, but they, they're they able to. Yeah. You know, they're able with the stable. So without any further ado, why don't we go down to Howard Finkel for the Royal Rankings. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the Royal Rankings. Are you ready? Talking about Bad Street USA, the further down the block you went, the better it got. And baby, we lived in the last house. Myself, the chief executive officer of the Dangerous Alliance. And the new world organization of wrestling, brother. Boy, I love you. It is the Royal Rankings, week number two. 
and we're going to be adding two more names, as we mentioned. Right now, it's just the NWO and the Nation at numbers one and two, Michael. Yes, the New World Organization. Yes, the New World Organization of Wrestling, brother. Uh, Quinn, I'm excited to find out who drew number three because, uh, you know... To some people, it might be a foregone conclusion. Maybe they think the NWO will they, stay. They've, they've won already. It's yeah. over. They, they got it. But there's a number of other great stables that are going to join. And it's not necessarily always about the outcome, but about the journey getting there, Michael. That's true. That there's, is true. There's good journeys. There's some good journeys. We're going to see if this one's a good journey. Mm-hmm. If you're ready, we can go to the fans and have them count us down to number three. Sure. All right, fans, let's hear it. Let's find out who drew number three. Own, I love you. Own, own. <laughs> oh boy, very Canadian. Wow, man. the Heart yeah. Foundation, Quinn. Here they are. Now this is the stable version that we, I guess got voted in. It's not Why? specified. I, I really find it funny that there there's even like a question about this. Like that, it's like <laughs> no, it's the one with like Jimmy Hart and, and Danny Dan Davis <laughs> and all that. Like that. That's just the tag team that they had right. him like lingering, right? So, so, I so mean, yeah, I mean, do you want to explain like why that's yeah. thought first? Because, I mean, that is the origin of all this, correct? Yeah, well, because Jimmy Hart, the manager, Jimmy Hart, right. right, in the 80s, his stable of wrestlers was like casually known as the Hart Foundation. Right. So when he had Jim Neidhart, who originally was managed by Mr. Fuji, but we don't need to worry we about that. We don't worry about that. <laughs> and he's a football man or whatever. Yeah. Uh, when he was in there in 84, and Brett turned heel, I guess, like casually. Because remember, he was like, you know, I don't want to be a cowboy. Right, exactly. That was the end of the cowboy era. <laughs> yeah. And then, then he was a heel. And he was with Jimmy Hart. And they were always introduced as members of the Hart Foundation. Right. And Jimmy Hart presents members of the Hart Foundation. Because that was technically, like, allegedly the name of Jimmy Hart's stable. But there was like, kind of like the Legion of Doom. Yeah. But, like, the Road Warriors are in it. Jake and then Roberts. they like. And they were like, this is too confusing. Yeah. Just like call them the Legion of Doom. Right. Right. You know what I mean? It's basically that. So eventually it was just Jimmy Hart and Bret Hart and Jimmy Anvil Neidhart. But then we have, you know, the Danny Davis. He wore the khakis and a year later yeah. he cost the Bulldogs Appar- the tag titles. Apparently a uh, hunky donkey was part of the original Hart Foundation. I'm not kidding. The stable. Yeah. Right. It says that. But like they phased that out. Like it wasn't yeah. really mentioned. Yeah. So basically the tag team was just called the Hart Foundation. Right. Right. Obviously, they were the tag team until 1991. Then there was the new foundation, which was the Pants. Yes, the, the Pants, gym. Owen and Jim. Yes. And, and that then was, somehow Coco got involved. Yeah, but he's not like in the foundation. He's, he's in the high energy. He's near the foundation, but that's he's high. It's where, it's where, it. they, it's where they, they keep the like power plugs for the Heart Foundation offices, <laughs> right. like the high energy. Yeah. And then we have the uh, Brett and, excuse me, and then Owen and Jim. Were like a casual alliance in the summer of 94 in early 95, but they weren't called the new foundation. Yeah, and then there's even like another incarnation where it's technically that tag team at Survivor Series where it's like Bruce and Keith. <laughs> Don't and Owen. bring that up. It's listed. It like, doesn't it's matter. Real. Debut it November 24th, 1993. Debut of what? Debut and disbandment. Of what? Of the the Hart family, Joe. Who cares? That's real. That's what, what they were called. They're just, you know what it is though? The reason why that matters is Bruce. because so shitty when we finally get to the real heart foundation like stable here yes. this is all like the established history right because yes. from this heart family thing owen kicks the leg out of the leg True, and, then, good point. and then they like they start feuding but this is like the seeds yes. right this is like where it all comes from <laughs> so this ba- is why like british bulldog <laughs> is somehow involved in all this true good point yeah so basically to, to sum it up very neatly so we don't have a ton of time on it but 
Brett and Owen feud, right? Like we all know throughout 1994, and they kind of like phase it out before WrestleMania 11, so yeah. Brett can fight back on the Pirates and always, die. It's always, yeah, yeah, I know, Lafitte and all that. Yeah. But like, yeah, but it's always like Owen's going, always like it's, it's going mainly because Owen won't shut the fuck up <laughs> that, about it. Right? My brother like, stinks. Like in '96, when yeah. Brett's not even there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> my miserable brother Brett. Like, He's still fucking terrible. Like, I hate like, him. Look at my slammies. Like, yeah. like every motivation of Owen Hart is still to get back at Brett, but Brett's just like, I'm dealing with Isaac Yankum and I don't care. Yeah. Like, you know, like, or whatever. You know, I'm down in uh, South Africa. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that when he was, like, yeah. filming with the Commandant yeah. or whatever? Yeah, no, Brett... Yeah, like, shit like that. Brett has, like, kind of forgotten about this, but Owen does not shut the fuck up. He's still, like, employing, like, associates, like, British Bulldog yes. and Yoko Zuna and, like, all these weird people yeah, that have issues Brett. with Brett Hart. Yeah. So then when Brett finally comes back after WrestleMania 12, right, in the fall of 1996, Owen still doesn't like him. Brett's, like, nicer with Bulldog, but, like, they're still both, you know... They're cordial. They're, yeah, they're cordial. He's still mad about that SummerSlam business or whatever. If it hadn't been for the British Bulldog, Owen and that rotten rat stone-cold Steve Austin would have ended, could have ended my career. And then Steve Austin's a big part of this yeah. because he hates everyone. Right. So he hates Brett, but he also hates Owen and Bulldog. So this, That's start, the catalyst. this starts because there's some like weird inner house where there's like swirlies or something. Remember? Like <laughs> Austin like Austin like crosses paths with Owen and Bulldog in like the bathroom. Like and he's that's still how this fucking starts. Like I'm not even kidding. But like, he's still a heel. Yeah, like they're like he's like Fuck you guys. You're like related to him. Like, that's like what Austin's issue is, right? They don't even like Bret Hart either, no. but Austin's just like, I don't like you. So <laughs> so then they get like mad at Steve Austin, right? But then Owen and Davey are also fighting with each other amidst all this. Right. It's exactly. amazing. So anyway, we get to early 97 where Bret Hart's gone off the deep end. We all know that in March, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the famous promo on Vince after, uh, not winning the title from Sid. Then WrestleMania 13 happens, and the next night, Brett officially is like, fuck you, coast to coast, right? All yeah. that stuff. And then the next week, Owen and Bulldog are finally, like, it comes to a head. They're going to have a match, right? And they actually do start to wrestle. And then who storms out, like, all pissy and bitter, right? Yeah. But Bret Hart to break this it up. This was very surprising, by yep. the way, at the time. I remember being like, Wait, are they really like? Is the Owen thing ending? Because yeah. like that was like my life in wrestling. Yeah, right. for, for like I was like, this can't end. Like this is literally like, oh, Owen's gonna like do something, right? Or something Bulldog's gonna punch him. Like something's gonna happen. They're not. They're not gonna be like an alliance. Like that doesn't even make any sense. Owen Hart fucking hates him. My whole wrestling career, you know, since I yeah. started watching in '94, they, they hated each other, right? Um, but no, this time around. Bret Hart comes in. He's like, you know, you got to stop fighting. All the Americans want us to fight, you know. And, this is uh, what they want. This is they, what they, they want. They split us apart. Remember Thanksgiving or whatever he said? Like, remember? Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, and I used to get you ready for school. You know, yeah, all that and stuff. Owen starts crying. I was the one that made sure you made the school bus. And how many times? How many times I take you? Remember St. Michael's school and that teacher? This whole speech by Brett, right? Yeah. And the way Owen and Davey sell it is legitimately one of the best things to ever air so, on Raw. My ever. favorite part that they never, ever addressed ever again after this yeah. is that it's heavily implied that Brett is like bamboozling them because yes. he, they're falling for it and he gives the look to the camera, but they never address it ever no, again. And because like Brett had his problems with WF or whatever, like it, it never, never, it never boiled over in anything that it was like, Oh, it's all fake. Like Brett's is putting it on to use you. That's true. And you know, maybe, or maybe they changed gears, you know what yeah. I mean? Cause they never went that way ever. Like there was never even dissension. 
mm-hmm. with them ever. But maybe that was gonna be something. But yeah, that look that Brett gives the crowd yeah, after that, the hug. That he's using them. Like <laughs> yeah. that that's what this is. It's Just like sour. Brett, that oddly Brett's the one that never forgave <laughs> yeah. the Owen feud and not the other. And meanwhile, Owen was like this whole time like the loudest and proudest about the feud. Yes. He wanted it to end all along. Ugh. Like that's kind of like what's implied there, right? I, yes, kind and, of. Yeah. And what I love about this is Owen now does a complete 180 as the weeks go on. Oh my god. He becomes Mr. Brett it's Hart amazing. fan. He's like, this is my brother. He's good. Yep. Fuck you. Like, you know, like, like watch his name. My favorite. Yeah, yeah. I remember that one. Yeah. When they're like putting Brett into the ambulance. Yep. Watch his name. Watch his name, you idiot. Yeah. And it just becomes like the Bret Hart support group. Yeah. The best part of the whole thing. So it's just the three of them to start for a few weeks, right? Right. Is Brett gets hobbled by Austin, right? Right. At the end of April. Due to a legit knee injury, so he could he had to like be in his wheelchair. But that just adds to like the dickiness of it. Well, Bret Hart goes into like Professor X yes! mode where he's just like in a wheelchair and he's like commanding all his minions. And like very bitter too. Yeah. Like very mean. Yeah. I was a real hero. And I stood up and I told you the truth. And what did I get for it? All those years of service, what did I get? I found that lousy, stinking creep in the ring trying to rip my leg off, trying to end my career. So what happens is Owen wins the IC title. So we have now, not only do Owen and Bulldog already have the tag titles. Right. Now they bring the IC title. And the European, don't forget. Oh, and the European. <laughs> now Owen wins the IC because he cleanly, which we love, he just cleanly beats Rocky Maivia. Well, because that, <laughs> yeah, no that's cheating. the thing. It's, like, it's implied that like Owen's focused now, right? Yes. Like Owen's like, Brett's like a good influence or something. Like Brett <laughs> Owen's like, oh, I'm just going to go in there and like wrestle. And like, I'm not worried about like impressing Brett or anything. Right. It's like now he, I know he likes me. <laughs> so it's like Owen just is like, boom, done. Just he, just beats beats, he just beats the rock. No problem. One of my favorite little yeah. moments on Raw. Yeah. So now they've got all the titles except the world title. And Austin still hates them. So as Brett's like commandeering, you know, the show basically by being on the ramp with his wheelchair, Austin is ready to attack him. I forget which Raw. I think it's April 28th Raw or something like that. As Austin's approaching Brett, out of nowhere, Jim Neidhart, like, surprise return and throws Austin off the stage, I think. This was interesting because it was surprising, but it wasn't. And when it happened, you're like, well, of course. Yeah, of course it makes sense. Like, we always know he's lurking (laughs) somewhere. Like, that's the thing is Jim Neidhart, like, never left (laughs) WF. He's always lingering. He's always there. That's because Stu would always be like, hey, uh, Vince, can you uh, see if you can get some work for the Rhino? It's like, it's real. (sighs) He's always trying to get Neidhart a job because he never had his shit together. Right, exactly. It's real. So Neidhart was one of those guys that he was very, like, interchangeable in WF (laughs) at that point. Yeah. He would disappear for months and then come back. It's real. Yeah. And then he'd be like, oh, he's back again. Okay. Yeah, okay. Jim Neidhart! The other brother-in-law! Touch the anvil! And then a little bit later, I think it's May or June, Brian Pillman in, like, a nice bit of storytelling. So this whole thing was very, like, from a fan perspective, you're like, but he hates Bret Hart. Like, what's the deal here, right? He's neutral. He never really said he didn't. Remember when he first came in and he was like, you're not really injured or some whatever the fuck he was. Remember he was like on superstars with the crutch and he was like, fuck Bret Hart, all this shit. At first, but then he like, then he didn't say anything anymore. Right. But I always remembered that as a fan. So I was like, it was very confusing why he would join the Hart Foundation at first. To get back at Steve Austin. Exactly. Exactly. That's why. He explained that. But my point is, it was like, to me, it was actually a surprise. 
now we have all five guys, right? Right. And Brett's finally like healing up and everything. And the Hart Foundation, this is like one of the greatest runs for a stable, and it's so short. Oh yeah, it's only like a couple months. It's only a few months, but it felt so captivating. Because now you have Brett as like the central figure, the central heel of the WWF at this period of time. Which is such a 180 from what he was. Yeah. In, like before like that year. Right. It's yeah, crazy, yeah. right? It's like, you know what? I love all my fans. I'm the best wrestler. Like you know that, I, yeah. It was basically that. You know what? I'm going to keep being a fighting champion. But the best part is that he was still that, but only outside of the U.S., that's yeah, I feel like, like in the U.S. he would say more, use more words like hyenas and stuff, yeah. and like America stinks, and yeah. like. But like generally, he was very like the way he talked. You could understand why the other audience <laughs> yes. would like him. In like, Canada, it, he's like, "I'm proud to be your hero." You know, you know we have health insurance, <laughs> like all this shit. Like it's all real. It's real. Yeah, but then back in the U.S. he'd be like, "Fuck Pittsburgh." Yeah, you exactly. <laughs> you're all idiots. But he also, you're right. He had like a way of being like more aggressively heel. Yes, and then the when US. he was in Canada, he was like lighter. Yeah, like it was real. weird. It was good. Yeah, and uh, I gotta say, look, you can say what you want about Bret Hart on the mic any other year if you want to. Yeah. 1997, he really is it's like his magnum great. opus. Or it is whatever no, you want it to is. Call it. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's fantastic that year. The lead heel and the lead face, but like only in the U.S. Because in the Canada, they don't like Austin. It's just an amazing right. mix. And I think that the the best example of like how good this whole thing was was that in your house at Canada. When, oh yeah, and then Canadian you know Stampede. like beans and stew St- came in and all that at the end. Oh, and like beans. it's all real. And like, then like, yeah, stew and Bruce, of course, like getting too much camera time <laughs> and like getting too involved. Like six people have to help <laughs> stew in the ring. And Helen's like, I don't even want to fucking be here. I hate wrestling. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's still. <laughs> and then Bruce is like, you know, I, I want to be on here too. Like somehow like Keith reappears. He's good. The- yeah. I don't mind Keith. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Fireman. Is, he's nice. Yeah. Uh, but fuck Bruce. And anyway, that's like, yeah. After that, the heat transitions from Brett Austin to Owen Austin. Yeah. And once, to SummerSlam. And once that fucking shit with the Patriots starts, <laughs> like that really like brings it all down. Yeah. The last like two months of the Hart Foundation stink. Yeah. Like September to November, it's butt. They were so good. And they, then yeah. they weren't. And then like the sad like fall apart after Brett leaves, like we're like, Jim tries to join DX and like, <laughs> it's all bad. That is. You know what the problem was? Is that um, when the Hart Foundation. Like, fuck the Patriot, first of all. That was so terrible, was and I don't so, want to hear otherwise from anyone ever. really, really bad. I don't care that he was good in, like, all Japan or something. Like, no one cared in 1997. All I can see is, like, Brett being like, you know, the, you, look, they're, they're making me fight the Patriot, and, you know, obviously, Sean, he's fighting the Undertaker. That, no, like, that is like, the, That's like, you know, you scoop my heat. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that? You're going to be the lead heel now. But I did like the DX, like, once they feud, like, they formed as DX right. in they October. Formed, they forged together to fight the Hart Foundation. Well, first Undertaker. Right. Don't forget. Yes. Remember Undertaker, and then the Hart Foundation. Yeah. But what I did like about that is for that brief period between October and November, they're all heels. It's yeah. weird. It's weird. Like everyone's and heels. I like the uh, the concept of that. Brett and Sean hate each other so fucking much that they both formed factions yeah. to fight each other because fuck that guy. Right. Like you know what I mean? Like it's like Sean's got his goons, <laughs> yep. Brett's got his goons, yep. and they like they all fight each other. And obviously that culminates in Survivor Series. And that's, you know, that was a great match there, and it was a happy ending at Survivor Series 97, you know, right? And nothing it, came honestly, of that. Honestly, I would have not been surprised, right, if Brett had not left. Like, right. Say, that, like, none of that shit happened, right? Yeah. I wouldn't have been surprised if that one of the big angles under the Austin stuff happening 
is the fight of DX versus the Hart Foundation, not DX versus the nation. And that Sean, if Sean continued, and I feel like cool. that would have been what was going on in the mid card is that DX was fighting the Hart Foundation, and it was an extension of the Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart. Could have happened, like you know what I mean. Could have happened, sure. But man, what a good stable, Quinn. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it really did provide for some captivating television, some really mm-hmm. fresh feeling, interesting stuff in 1997. It really, really was. Yeah, especially when it had it would, so much potential. It really did. And Even the original DX involvement in there, just talking yeah. about like that concept of it was like good. A, a full-blown war between DX and the Hart Foundation sure. would have been just the coolest shit. It really would have been. I yeah. agree. And uh, but man, did it provide for some great TV? Uh, the height, in my opinion. In all seriousness, of, of Vince Russo era WWF, even though like '98 right. obviously had higher business and more well regarded, I love the week to week in '97 with this. Right? Yeah, fantastic stuff. We'll have to see where they rank, but I think it's time to bring in now number four. If you're sure. ready, Michael, number four. A lot of people have come down Bad Street. We're the only ones that have walked off of it. Bad Street USA, Michael. Oh, there they are. Now, these guys, they're fabulous freebirds. First of all, they're like fucking everywhere. (laughs) They are. They're They're a traveling group. Infestation group. (laughs) Like, they're just like, oh, the freebirds are here. Like, even in WF. Oh, yeah. They're like everywhere, everywhere, man. They're everywhere. Uh, You had to know they were going to make it because it is a stable, technically, even though they had the freebird rule and they were tag team also. Very early stable, too. That's the thing about the Fabulous Freebirds, which, yes, is named after the Leonard Skinner song, if you were wondering. Well, considering the fact that the years active are 1979, it begins, that makes a <laughs> lot of sense that the inspiration would be a fucking song of the period. <laughs> That's true. When did Freebirds, like, the, the song come out? Oh, uh, Freebird. Freebird, the song is probably 74 or 5 offhand, but um, mm-hmm. the genesis of the Fabulous Freebirds... 73. 73. The genesis of the Fabulous Freebirds was with uh, Terry Gordy and Michael Hayes. Like Quinn said, in 1979, that was down in Memphis, the Memphis Territory, Jerry Jarrett, Nick Goulas era of Memphis. You know, my name is Terry Gordy. I weigh 290 pounds. A rumping, stomping, graveyard destruction. I'm one half of the fabulous Freebirds. Now, Gordy was a fantastic wrestler before he got some problems with the drugs like later in his career. But Terry Gordy was really good. Terry yeah, that's Bam Bam Gordy. Pe- that's people always say Excellent. that. I, you know, I don't know much about him. From what um, I've seen in the 80s, he's, it's good. He's okay. Um, like maybe him. he never meet, met his full potential, but um, I don't think he did. He sure was a great wrestler. Um, and I also, <laughs> I have a personal love for his work as the executioner. Well, <laughs> like that's just my that's my own thing. I know people don't like his that little cameo, in but 96, his cameo WF. as the executioner in '96 is <laughs> the most hilarious shit possible. It was like, really nice that they gave him a crack yeah, at doing something. He was good. He like, was okay. I mean, it wasn't good. That, go back. I cannot wait till we do that pay per view review. And we like have to rate that fucking executioner match in like, oh the, in, like the fucking pond or whatever. <laughs> yes, yes. Like it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, now Michael Hayes obviously was young in 1979 when the start. He was a very young kid, probably like 20 years old. Wow. Sometimes it's funky. Um, things happen and you don't know why, and then they turn out to be maybe possibly a blessing in disguise. Michael Hayes, you might know if uh, you're a WWF fan only as Doc Hendricks, but fuck, it's bad. Yeah. But Michael Hayes is different. He's not a very good wrestler, to be honest with you. He can I'm not dance, gonna lie, though. but he can he can moonwalk. He can moonwalk and shit, and, and he oozes charisma. I'm not gonna lie, and probably other things too, but so, charisma being one yeah, of them. Yeah, he seems like a natural guy. That what's interesting to me about Michael Hayes, and this is why it was always odd to me that he was never like really in WWF. No, not really. Is because he seemed like a perfect fit 
for like the rock and wrestling era. Like they like, really did. Like he seems like that guy. Especially like he him. could interact with the MTV stars sure. and stuff. Like he would have actually made a lot of sense. And I'm surprised it just didn't work out. It just didn't work out. I don't know what the deal was there. Anyway, they early on they added Buddy Roberts, so now we have a trio. So we had Gordy, we had Hayes, then they bring in Buddy Roberts, and that the was smoking the smoking guy, right? Yes, the smoking guy. That's a, who had been around from a long that DVD, time. That's like literally how I know him. I know, and he was like an elder. He was he right. was already in his thirties when this team started. He had previously been in the original Hollywood Blondes tag team. I right. don't mean the Steve Austin one, the original one. Now is and, he somehow related to like fucking? Like Buddy Rogers, like he looks like no it. Buddy Roberts. Lo- I know, but I mean, like even his look <laughs> looks like he's like fake version of Buddy Rogers. There, there, maybe that was the idea, and even the smoking and everything. <laughs> Stop yeah. it with it, the smoking! It's real. <laughs> anyway, so this is your trio here, and really their biggest impact, I would say, early impact. Although they had a few with JYD, their big early impact would be when they went over to World Class, and the way this played out, obviously, is right. pretty this, famous. This is their big angle of their career. It has to be. I mean, they had been in Georgia. They had already been like traveling around before this, right? They had already been in Mid South with the yeah. JYD. And I feel like, from what I saw of the, like when this all goes down, that the Freebirds were known more as like a tag team. They like, were. They for were the most not part. much of a like stable, right. yet. You know what Correct. I mean? Correct. Yes. And what had happened is Hayes had already turned face, right, in eighty one, early eighty two. So he's a face. He had been feuding with Gordy and Roberts, right? And anyway, so when we get to world class, right, Hayes comes in as a face. Right. He's Mr. Big Friends like, with Carrie uh, Von Eric. Well, or whatever. Hell, I love the Von Erics. Yeah, you know? like, <laughs> They're great. He's like, let me referee this fucking match or whatever with Carrie Von Eric. <laughs> right. And then and um, Ric Flair, I think, right? Right, yeah. right. And also, uh, Terry Gordy was there as a face as well. And then they turn heel. There, somehow, like, Michael Hayes is a ref or something. I don't know. Like, and he, like, fucks Yes, him, he's the it? ref yeah. in the uh, in the Flair versus um, Kerry Von Erich match. Correct. Right. And he, like, fucks him or something. And then it's like, oh, they're heels. Oh, Kerry Von Erich hit in the head by the cage door. As Gordy threw it, too. And Kerry Von Erich smashed by the cage door, leaning over the rope. And then this, like... Like, this is 1983. This fucking big ass thing for them, where like basically it was the Von Erich family, the whole fucking family. Like when they were good, not when like they were I know junky or whatever. David was really really good. Yeah, like Harry. All of them were good, yep. right? And they're all fighting the Freebirds. And this was world class's bread and butter for like all of 1983, literally. Right. This is what like made them so good or whatever. Yeah. Plus they had the satellite dishes or whatever Gene says. <laughs> you know. High tech. They had great tech. Yeah. And the big thing is this is a different business model than WWF would do in the 80s and 90s, right? Even different than WCW because this was it just is. about a faction war. It's like a it, faction war. Not really war. about titles or anything. And it's like, come down to the fucking Sportatorium and you're going to see these guys go at it. What the hell's going on? Would it be correct to think that not one of you, not stupid Von Eric, not anybody in this family or any of you idiots out there that call yourself Longhorns, has stopped to think for one minute what's going to happen when he gets in the ring with me. You got to understand, the fans of World Class, they love the Von Erichs like family. They positioned it as an ongoing feud that you had to see where the next turns would be. Yeah. Like, that's like how they did it. And you would have to come to the Sportatorium every single week because yep. you didn't want to miss the next chapter. Correct. Right? It was like, because this feud is fucking hot. And the, uh, like I said, these these Von Erichs, they were beloved, especially by right. the females. It's like, don't you dare touch Carrie Von Erich. Yeah. Like, I, how dare you? I find it so fascinating that they didn't really center it around a title. 
No. That, that's that's what's just so, hatred. And that it sold so well. This was huge. Yeah. And this is like what Hayes hangs his hat on, really, is this like to this day. Yeah, and I, I don't mean, blame him, but I don't blame him because it did make a lot of fucking money. A lot of fucking money, man. Yeah. And that this really raised their stature as a, a team. So they were able to bounce out of world class. They have a cup of coffee with the WWF like we were talking about in like the summer of eighty four. Oh my word. Oh, what the, what's Bad going on, Jamers? I love it, Michael Hayes, Buddy Roberts, Terry Gordy, gentlemen, tonight is the night. So yeah, so this is here's here's my whole thing with the Freebirds is that they don't seem compatible outside of a feud with the Von Erichs. Like they never <laughs> ever seem like a big deal. Like everywhere I ever see them. Now you're not just saying that because like we're we're from the Northeast and we like the WWE. No, because even in WCW they're like bit players. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like they're always like a tag team that's gunning for the title. Sometimes they win the U.S. ones. I, I know sometimes in like the early '90s they win the world ones. It doesn't Weren't matter. Weren't there six man they titles don't around that time matter, too? Fucking matter, man. Like that's the whole problem. Like it, that is the whole issue is that they're not the center focal point for the heels anymore. And they shouldn't be anyway yeah. in these big promotions, not in ones that have Ric Flair. Yeah, but the, the problem. You with, know? The, so the problem with that, right? Yeah, that's great and all. They shouldn't be or whatever. But at that point, you're like, who are these guys? Like, why, why should I care? Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're like a lot of what their momentum they came on was some fucking feud in 1983. By 1989, everyone's like, what? When yeah, did that right. happen? Like, what? Why did these guys matter? You're not, you're, you know what I mean? That's fair, Quinn. So they have their weird cup of coffee in the WWF. David Wolf of like Cindy Lauper fame. Oh God, yeah, he gets involved. <laughs> he brings them in. Yeah, it's weird because their faces, first of all, in the WWF. It made sense because of the rock and wrestling. You mentioned yeah. that briefly. Like it should make sense. I don't know why. I don't know offhand why they didn't stay. You, you know what? You know what would have been the best time for them to come in and actually fucking matter, like post the, f- the feud or whatever, is if Texas Renato came in WWF and he gets attacked by I guess like them, and then they can explain why the fuck they matter, right? What? Like they can explain that that like this is why they matter. I guess so. Yeah, you know what maybe I mean? that's that's all I'm saying. And I don't know if anyone would have cared though by 1990. Maybe not, but I mean, it's the only context, like literally the only connection post 83 that you can like link the two together and say like, this is why this matters. True. Right, right. It's like you could even say they followed them from another organization. <laughs> like they hate Texas Tornado. They hate them, Hot Rod. Now that <laughs> <laughs> see, that's really who would have been called. Would have been Hot Rod. Yeah. Uh, so after <laughs> I've heard about this, <laughs> oh, I know, I know all about this, Edgar. Um. So anyway, in '85, they kind of like wander around world class again, and also the AWA. Like they went everywhere. They They're didn't give every- a shit. Because <laughs> Michael Hayes is like he says it's like I'm just wherever I can get paid. Yep. Like he doesn't give a shit. I'll be docking. Hendrix fucking right. Like, <laughs> yeah. They're paying me. So that's basically what they do. But we also have to mention like Jimmy Garvin because remember he wandered into this stable. So yeah, this is <laughs> this always is weird to me, right? Because Jimmy Garvin previously was like a um, top mid level like face or not face heel, heel like yes, a top got like Jimmy Garvin like TV champion kind of sunshine, guy. yeah, like you all know, this stuff. He had like his own angles, like yes. he wasn't involved with this, right? <laughs> yes. I know for sure in like 89 WCW that was going on. It's a little foggy to me because they were so many different places like Mid-South, AW, they were everywhere. The Freebirds are like a weird like comic book where it's yeah. like you open up a different one and you're like, why are the X-Men in this? What are they doing here? Like, yeah. they, but they're, they're not doing the thing that they're doing in the other right. thing. Like, that's like what the Freebirds are. They like exist in multiple universes and they're it's like, true. what are like, 
what are they here now? Like, I don't understand. Well, in 80- Why is Jimmy Garvin not the guy with Sunshine? Yeah, Why is he just version. some goon that works for <laughs> right. P.S. Hayes? Like, yeah, because yeah, they have P.S. Hayes in yeah. WCW 89. Like, Gordy's there sometimes, but Roberts isn't. Like you said, they sometimes win, like, the U.S. tag belts, maybe the world, like, once. There's also Brad Street. Yeah, d- d- don't. No. <laughs> Bad Street, but we call him Brad Street. The more we talk Armstrong. about this, the more I realize how my issue mostly with the Fabulous Freebirds in general is like, I want to like them. Right. Like, cause I love the shit in 83. I think it's really, really good. Oh, I do too. Like from what, everything Anything, I've seen of it, like yep. I've actually watched a bit of it. I've seen it too. Yeah. Um, but everything afterwards, just like this all just seems like life support for the Freebirds in general. It just seems like we got to keep it alive. Brad Street and like all this nonsense. I mean, Big Daddy Dink era. Yeah, well, Big Daddy Dink. DDP, and, like why? Exactly. Like all DDP. of it's like all of this weird shit, right? It's just very odd. Like you, and then you end up looking at the list, and there's like strange versions of them. I know and stuff. There's one where Hayes isn't even in it. It's like it, this is the issue: is that they're so convoluted like post like they're just there's so many different formations and variations i agree yeah one of the last ones i mean like first of all the fact that ddp managed them in like 91 is just like absolutely bizarre it's not though if you look at like ddp's character like he's literally like million dollar man in wcw where his fingers are in every single thing (laughs) he's managing everyone somehow early ddp like is michael hayes though they're like the same character and ddp's fatter (laughs) <laughs> that's not what I said. I just I mean that Michael Hayes Michael Hayes is in very good shape in the early 90s. Yeah, so before he docked it up there. Yeah. And then Garvin kind of like disappears in the early 90s. And then like the last time I guess that they were officially together, like where it was Hayes, Gordy, and Garvin, of course is Global, which is like the spinoff of World Class. You know, what the- do you think of this? <laughs> Fabulous spray birds where my hair is long here. Like it's it's real. It's real. <laughs> and that was the end of it. That was 94, and that yeah. was it. And then, obviously, we had Doc Hendricks. Now, that's been a bridge history again, because uh-huh. I'm not going to pretend to have seen all of these things from the 80s before I, gotta, I was born. I got to say, the way we described this is kind of, it really does feel like my experience with them, that it's all <laughs> yeah. over the place, and it jumps all over the place. It kind of is. Also, I, I, I'd be remiss if we didn't mention, by the way, that the Fabulous Freebirds also appeared in uh, Highlander, in the opening of the movie, just it's 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 listed like great Quinn in a match in Madison Square Garden. Not even joking. They're fighting Greg Gagne, Tonga Kid, and Jim Bronzel. Pretty good team, actually. Yeah. Tonga Kid is good. Yeah, that's Tama. But it, it, the Highlander is like watching it, but he's like in disguise because he's got to go meet somebody. So, but it's at the arena, so the wrestling match is like occurring. Highlander's just like chilling, like killing time and watching the fabulous Freebirds. I'm not kidding. All right, it's like the beginning of Highlander. Okay, yeah, I believe real. you. To me, I've always had a hard time pinpointing where they are at any given time, except for world class and like WCW. Mm -hmm. Other than that, like that stretch between like 84 to 88, I don't know it off the top of my head. You know, I know they're just like everywhere. They're in Mid South, they're in Florida, they're in Georgia, they're everywhere. And then I know about their WCW run in the late 80s into the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Overall, I like them. I do. I'm okay with them, but I again, it's. I think everything post eighty three or maybe a little bit of eighty four. Eighty four. They're very like convoluted and like life support. We got to make Ooh. sure the Freebirds exist. Like wow. that's my issue with it. We're gonna have to see if any any uh, cards and letters are sent to Ogden, Utah, for you there, Michael. You wanna you wanna rank? Yeah, sure. All right, let's run them down. It's a long list. NWO number one, right? Nation number two. 
Where do we, uh, is the Heart Foundation better than the nation? Because I think they are. They are. 100%. (laughs) They are. Um, There's no way around it, right? The whole issue is that here, okay. The Heart Foundation, I would love to put above the NWO. You can't. I really would like to. Can we, um, though? I can't because it's it's not about, at that point, it's like, the reason the NWO holds such high, (sighs) high levels is because as much as we don't like some of the later stuff. I don't like almost any of it. It really was like the biggest fucking thing in wrestling when it came out. Like it, was, it was like it was like I never remember anything in my life like when the NWO came out. It was like the biggest shit to ever occur. You're not wrong. Yeah. You However, know what I mean? Like it, it was it really felt like everything was changing when the NWO showed up. Fair. I agree. However, I will uh, opine that the eight months of the Heart Foundation is just as good as the first eight months of the NWO. And that the NWO never really had the same impact or engagement or creativity after the initial year-ish of the I NWO. Will, I will argue that no. When was the NWO no, good listen, until, listen, in your mind? Listen, the part in your statement what? where you said that the creativity or whatever, that definitely wasn't in the NWO department. What However... You said, you know, you had listed a couple of features yeah, of why yeah, the yeah. Heart Foundation was good and creativity was one of them. NWO, no. Like, post like post the first eight yeah. months or whatever, right? Right. But everything else that you said, I think the NWO outranks the Heart Foundation. Well, I'm not saying the Heart Foundation is better. I said as good. As good, yeah. The first I, eight months of the NWO versus the yeah. Heart Foundation's entire run. And the big thing you said was impact, right? I think the NWO impact just eclipses anything, the Heart Foundation. As much as I love and, like, how it does shape WF at the time, but like NWO was like bigger than the company. That's like, not that, good though. It's not good, but it, it uh, we're talking about ranking a, 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 yeah. a, a, a stable here, right? You know what I mean. The only other the only other stable in the history of anything that seemed bigger than the company was the Four Horsemen. They didn't seem bigger than the company. I, don't I think, think a lot. I, I think they were the biggest draw at the very least. And to they me, were. That, that that's no, the only Flair was. That's the only way you can outclass the company in general is if you're if you're drawing if you individually your act is bigger than everything else in the company. Yeah, that, which is that, tr- which you, rings true for for the NWO for sure. Right. Exactly. Absolutely does. Yeah. I don't know that from a week to week though that that the NWO is necessarily better than the Heart Foundation was. They probably aren't. For um, that run, I'm saying. Right, exactly. But it, that's the whole thing with NWO is why they're a precarious number one is because they really... There's a bit... The big thing is their impact. Yeah. And... But the problem is, is like... Yeah, that's one aspect. And you would think on paper, no, well, other factions are better. But at the same time, their impact is so large... I know. That it's like... It's hard to argue them down. No, at the I know. Same time. I'm not going to. I think yeah. they have to stay at number yeah, one. Like that's that's the problem. That's the thing. I don't think that they're very. It's very good after 1997. I just don't. I think it's. I agree it's with crummy. you. I I think boring. I think we did Pointless. establish though. The one thing you will admit is that the um, the the NWO splitting into two NWOs did breathe a lot of new life into it. Like yes, that's, it a, that's did. like a benefit. Yeah, I mean they could have just not had it anymore, but that's the got, second best and option. And you did get to see very cool things that you wouldn't have expected, like the idea of Sting being in one of the NWOs was that was actually neat at the time. I guess, yeah. I was like, and, and I did never expected Sting to be in his own NWO faction. Like that's that. I just thought that was interesting. It was. Yeah. There's some. Listen, I liked a lot of that as a kid. Yeah, the Wolfpack. I didn't like the endless. Long ass meandering promos. Every the promos sin- were bad. It was long. Yeah, like I get it if it leads somewhere, think, but it didn't. 
can I ask you a question? Because the NWO promos, I always find that like an interesting topic because I don't know if the NWO promos are a response to WWF becoming more promo heavy. And it's like they're I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's their counter. It's like, well, oh, we got to have our biggest guys. We got to have the NWO talk for 20 minutes. Like, just like how fucking Bret Hart talks for 20 minutes or Shawn Michaels talks for 20 minutes. You know, I, I feel like that was happening earlier. I don't WWF. know who did it first. Yeah. I, I actually don't know if they kind of both just reached for it around the same time. It was very like, yeah, it was like very side by side. It wasn't was. like It wasn't like NWO like was some pioneer in no. the 20 minute promo. It might have been, they might have started doing them a little bit earlier, but I mean, Raw became known for opening with the 20 minute promo. Right. Well before I think Nitro became known for that. You know right, what I'm exactly. saying? Exactly. And that's, I don't what, know. that's why I always look at the NWO's version as more of like a counter. Maybe. Like, I don't think of the NWO mainly as talkers. I think of that in the WWF department. Yeah, no, I, I do too. Uh, sadly, though, as much as I love the Hart Foundation and its members, as much as I loved that era watching it as a kid, and again, this happened. Some of this was going on at the same time. The NWO was doing its boring-ass shit on, in 97, mm -hmm. and on the other channel was this, and I liked this a lot more. I just there did. There some good NWO surprises that I recall around the time, too. Guess, like, a yeah. lot of weird people joining that you didn't expect. Like, that was always the NWO's big draw during the Hart Foundation's time, was that, like, you never knew. And it's funny, because it dovetailed into Bret Hart almost joining the NWO that during... That sucked ass. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? That all was horrible. <laughs> it all but connects. When I think of good NWO, I really do think of, you know, Scott Hall coming through the crowd yeah. all the way up until, you know, like late 96, early 97. You know, it was still like Luger winning. For me, that's yeah. the end of it. In August of 97, that was it. I didn't need to see them lose ever again. You know again. what the biggest road bump in the NWO always was to me? It wasn't actually the Sting thing as much as it was the... um. It was that weird Piper thing at, at Starcade, like yeah, with, where he had the weird hat. Like, yeah. like I just I hate that Piper. It, it was crappy. Yeah, the whole like thing. You know, I never lost to Hulk Hogan either. It always like just I remember being very happy in about January of 1997 when the Piper thing was like where they like beat the shit out of him and they were just like get the fuck out of here like and they stopped uh. feuding with him like it was like it was very joyous for uh, me because yeah, I just I hated that it was like two months or something and it was awful. It was really that did yeah. not like that yeah that's kind of when i started to lose interest in the nwo was when piper came in i'm not lying yeah, i started I, to not care i actually personally i thought they had recovered after that but mm. it's then the sting thing happened yeah. and you know everyone has an issue with it that's because it so, was bad quinn yeah. but yes as much as i love my uh my beloved bret hart and his heart foundation i think we put them at number yeah. two but they're definitely more and, and we like the nation but the heart foundation was more important yeah no they were and more fun i think than the nation and they existed side by side with the nation yeah, so it's like you can actually look at the two and compare them, yeah. and Hart Foundation is better. better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no way around it. Alrighty, they did have their skirmish with Rocky. My or wait, Rocky Maivia wasn't in it yet. No, but they did yeah. have a skirmish with the Nation a they little did. bit later. I know they did. Brett fought Farouk because DX like engineered like a feud between the right, Nation. so that DX didn't have to deal with the Hart Foundation. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's the real. usual. Yeah, yeah. And, like Sean wore Farouk's hat. Remember? Yeah, it really yep. happened. Yeah. <gasps> All right, Freebirds. Okay, Freebirds. Right, they're better than the Nation. They are better than the nation. Uh, I really hope right. this doesn't like the nation doesn't become the de facto I know, like they get like, fucked over thing. Here's like, the thing: if there isn't the whole Freebirds Von Eric feud, then they're not better than the nation. That's true. <laughs> Sorry, literally, that's like all they can hang their hat on. It's the Midnight's versus the Rock and Roll Express type of deal yeah. where it's yes, it's really friggin' good. Yeah, it's not bad, but that's it. Right. 
Because I mean, even the NWO and the Hart Foundation, they had like multiple feuds that were like decent. Well, the Hart Foundation's big thing was the Austin, but there was also the Shawn Michaels. Yeah. It was just week to week. It was good television. And we forget that the NWO also had a lot of like all the minor people like fighting their own individual feuds that were actually interesting, like Macho Man versus DDP, DDP and stuff like that. That was really good. Uh, yeah. Nash versus the Giant was one yeah, yeah. for a while. And the Giant's was- like ongoing, like, am I going to be in the NWO? Am I not going to be in the NWO? And then he continued that career trait for the rest of his life, like turning heel and face all it's the time. It's so funny, actually, like, that if you think about it, like, that whole the joke that Big Show <laughs> never, never knows what side he's on, it was already happening in NWO. It's hampered his career, like, so much. Is that, like, never he, be he's, one he's a wrestler that can't make a decision? Yeah, like, it's yeah. terrible. It's never been good for him. But I digress, Quinn. Yeah, now he wants to be a TV star <laughs> on the sitcom. I know. Is, and then um, he'll get tired of that, and he'll come beat up somebody <laughs> at MSG or something. Because that's the one thing about being... Didn't he wrestle, like, recently? I'm not yeah, kidding. Yeah, one thing about being the biggest athlete in the world is like you don't really ever have to retire at a certain age you're always going to be big isn't he like 50 it doesn't matter he doesn't look it no he, he doesn't he looks he, the same yeah he looks because he, he again he's another guy who made the right decision by shaving his fucking head yes. like early on yeah like 10 years ago or so more. he's like ageless yeah like you you if he came in now you really couldn't tell the difference between him now and him 10 years ago he looks the same he looks exactly the same I think he was on Raw, like, very recently. I'm yeah, not kidding. Yeah, and he, like, kidding. beat someone up, and he was there for, like, a week or two, and then oh. left. And it's just like, well, the big show's, like, always lurking, right? <laughs> it's like, he's always around. But, Quinn, with that said, are, are the Freebirds better than the Hart Foundation? Is the Freebirds better than the Hart Foundation? Some would say yes, because they Some like Some would say yes, I like would that. say no. Really? Okay. I want to hear your, your case here. My case I'm is that, sure like, the Hart Foundation, the one benefit they have is that they didn't last long enough to be, like, completely diluted into the point like the free birds are just like i say they're like on life support like you really think so right you, this is a firm belief that you hold that yes like, because i every time i see them in anything that isn't that one period of time they're so bad like they really they're, think they're so terrible and useless it's always <laughs> wow. Hayes, like posing with jr or something like it's like i'm here free birds they exist like it's like shut the fuck up like no one even cares about this anymore so do you think they get by on legacy? Yes! 100%! Like, it's to the point where, like, most people are like, what did they do? Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you turn on WCW in, like, 1989, right? And you yeah, didn't like even... The Freebirds here, and you're like, oh boy, let me see! And you didn't even, like, know about this world-class shit. You only know JR and fucking, like, like who are the other announcers? Like Bob Cottle, Bob Cottle, Tony Schiavone. Tony Schiavone. Like they're all like Freebirds are good. Like <laughs> like that's like literally your only like point of reference for why they matter because right, right. they never did anything good in WCW. So is it or, ba- and, or Jim Crockett yeah, promotions? No, so is it basically like if you you kept hyping up Demolition but you only showed somebody like the Crush era? Right, exactly. You're like Demolition is good because we say they're good. Right, but they're not. Like right. they, they haven't been good in anything that I've seen. You know. So, with that said, though, and I'm going to acquiesce to that, I don't know that they were really, I don't know what they did territory-wise and how important they were to the territories that they visited after 1984. Yeah, the only delusion of the Hart Foundation that you could even bring up is that, like, remember when they sort of alluded that they were kind of together when some of them appeared in WCW afterwards? Like, British Bulldog and Jim Neidhart just appear in WCW, and it's like, it is, like, alluded to, like, yeah, oh, they're from the Hart Foundation! J.J. <laughs> Dillon brought him in, or something. They like, can't call them that, though. Yeah, they're, but doesn't the, the Brett Hart, have nothing to do with them? The Hart family, or whatever. Yeah, but Brett's, like, not involved in that. He's like, I didn't really want to be with Jim and Davey. You know, yeah, like, they that were, they're, they're, the storyline acts like they're friends. I know. So that's all I mean to say. Okay, so with all that said, does the 
huge feud that the Freebirds had with the Von Eriks in world class and the rest of like the stuff that they did short as it was, you know, a year and change. Does that trump the Hart Foundation's, you know, seven, eight month run? It doesn't because they really? were so good. They were the so Hart fucking good. There's not like a bad. Oh, well, then again. Okay. Wait a sec. Patriot. Crummy. Yeah. <laughs> there Horrible. is that period. That felt like beneath everyone yeah. involved in it. Yeah. Real flag matches with Vader. Okay, yeah. Uh, it was shitty. It was, it was. But it's also only like a month. Is that, because they're so short, is that month their decline? Like, is that like the Freebirds probably like tail end of their good period? Yes, but like by October, the Hard Foundation's fume with DX, so it like, it's back up again. Right. It's just like one bad month or so. <laughs> it's real. It was only like September. Here's the other thing we didn't mention is what? the Freebirds. Um, a lot of people bring this up too. Yeah. Is that the Freebirds did have a weird influence on stables? The fact that that Freebirds rule is still a thing to this day. I don't like it. I know you don't like it, but it doesn't make sense. It, Two guys won the titles. They are the champions. I don't understand this like casual, like, well, if this other guy wants to defend it, he so can. Like, what the, are you talking the about? Idea is that How the, is that okay? So the idea, it's just like Ravens rules or whatever. I don't like, like it. It's the idea that the wrestlers, like, have signed some special contract no, where no. they're like they're like a corporation in a sense where they're like an entity so like, like any formation of them can is is the other one well because of that the Hart Foundation staying at number two I hate that stupid rule <laughs> just because you hate the I hate it no I've never liked it it is anywhere. persisted I don't like it when Demolition did it I don't like how they are like we're the tag champions but here's our new guy he's also the tag no he's not he didn't win the belt you know what? he didn't beat Andre you know what the saddest part about all of this is yeah. is that the Freebirds weren't even the best at the Freebirds rule obviously new day is actually way better at it because it, it's like they don't even like most of the time they don't let xavier defend the belt it's more of just like one of these like emergency situations yeah. where like oh they hurt biggie at the beginning like something <laughs> like that and like it's like xavier has to replace him <laughs> like it's like xavier's essentially a manager who can uh, he's allowed to wrestle occasionally I, yeah i like that version yeah. i don't know man i think that i grew up watching you know the heart foundation stuff right I didn't watch the Freebirds, you know. And I mean, I, it sways us, but we—I think we factored in, though. I—I I really think it's the years and years of degradation on the Freebirds is what hurt them more than anything else, and that the Hart Foundation just don't have that. Hayes is a very good, uh, charismatic leader, frontman of a stable, right? Yeah, but it, it's literally the 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 rot of it is what the issue is. The Jimmy Garvin era. Yeah, the years of just like, rot, like just nothing. Brad Armstrong. Yeah. Big Daddy Dink. Yep. DDP. And then just literally, Global. literally, like, Jimmy Garvin and, and Hayes lingering around as, like, two old men. Like, remember they're in, like, some 94 WCW pay-per-view or something? Yes. No, and he's there in 94 like, still. What is this? Like, why are they... 1994? So like, is it, like, is it the Al Bundy throwing that one pass, you know, like, resting on his laurels for the rest of his yes, career? Yes, it very much is. Ugh. I love the Hart Foundation. I think that um, the Freebirds probably with the Von Erichs drew so much money and fans and interest in world class during that period of time. Yeah, but look what happened to world class. That lasted a while. But I also think <laughs> that the Hart Foundation and Austin were instrumental in really reviving uh, the creativity of the WWF. They're also a big aspect of the Attitude Era. Right. The Hart Foundation. Okay. Yeah. Keep them. Keep them. Being generous to the fucking Freebirds here. They beat the nation. <laughs> yeah, they did. Is that where we're, we're locked yeah, in here? I think that's that's admirable. All right, folks. Well, for week number two here on the rankings, 
At number one, still the New World Order, the NWO. Number two, the Hart Foundation. We'll see how long they last there. I feel like it's very predictable on this show. <laughs> I know, right? like, I, we, we, we're going to have to be fair about like where they end up. The Hearts? Yes, yeah. of course. And we will be. We yeah. absolutely will be. Number three, the Freebirds. And number four, the Nation. Let us know what you think. And if you think we're wrong, Tell us why. W-H-Y are we wrong? Everyone's going to be like, heart friend, what do you think? Yeah, I know, but tell us why. Just say why. Yep. Don't insult us. Just tell us why. All right? Don't be dingots. Anyway, we are going to be reviewing something, though, from uh, south of this Mason and Dixon line, Quinn. It's the NWA Worldwide. That'll be coming up right after this. Hello, wrestling fans. It's Joe here. And while we're on a break, I just wanted to take a moment to shout out three friends of the show. Check out the New Day podcast hosted by three guys that have actually worked in the actual wrestling business. I'm talking about Xavier Woods, Kofi Kingston and Big E. They're going to bring their unique perspective as fans, but also as people that actually work in the industry to a very creative and entertaining podcast. New Day Podcast. And then check out Greetings from Allentown, hosted by one man, Peter Winston. He'll take you on a whimsical journey through retro wrestling's past. It's unique, it's quirky, it's Greetings from Allentown. And finally, if you like your retro wrestling slathered in barbecue sauce, check out Mike Mills and Book in the Territory as they bring you the very best in the Southern Fried Wrestling. We're talking about Smoky Mountain and the NWA. It's Book in the Territory. So again, our three friends of the show. The New Day Podcast. Greetings from Allentown and booking the territory. And all this may sound pretty and it may sound sweet, but it goes from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet. And the main thing you got to keep in your mind is this, that we are the greatest, the newest, the youngest, and the latest. And we are coming down to Georgia. And when we come to your city, we will get down with our nitty gritty. We've broken attendance records everywhere. We draw more than Bob Seger's ever thought about. Hart, the Commodores, more people seen us. We broke the New Orleans Superdome attendance record, baby. So I want to say this closing remark, Gordon Everybody out there, you do whatever you want to say and do whatever you feel you must. But when the result ends up, another one bites the dust. The Fabulous Freebirds. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. It is episode number 193. Thank you guys for being with us here. Michael Quinn, we're reviewing something. Yes, we are. Now, how did we get here? I'll tell you how. Well, we needed to not do WS. <laughs> yes, for we, a week. we needed to get we away did from that. Two in a row. So I asked my friend Quinn here. I said, Quinn, what uh, promotion would you like to review? And he's like, I don't know. Why don't we do something like NWA or WCW? I said, Okay. Right. Yeah. He said 80s, right? 80s, because we haven't, we've been doing 90s, 90s of that recently. So let's head to the 80s, right? right? All good. Gotta cl- cleanse the palate. So uh, in order for us to both be surprised and not have any bias on what show we pick, right. We uh, assigned Richard Land. A third party, if you will. third party. Yeah. I said, Richie, give us a show between 85 to 89. Because, you know, usually you get a really good shot at picking something good from uh, Jim Crockett Promotions. Doesn't matter as long as it's an hour. Right. Could be anything. Anything. Just pick it out. So Richie gives us NWA Worldwide Wrestling, February 25th, 89. Now, Worldwide Quinn obviously was the longest running yes, show of WCW. It even lasted longer than WCW. It did. That's by, true. by a week or whatever. <laughs> Still one of the best things ever. Like I remember our review of that. We did the last uh, yeah. worldwide. Yes, from like April first or whatever. It was it always was. A, it was always a hidden gem. It's <laughs> something Richard found that I swore was like a dream I had yes. when I was like after WWE collapsed that they like somehow existed post. 
it's tremendous the company right? existing and, and it really did it did happen uh, and from what i understand he has recently got his hands on a new copy of that where it's not in <gasps> black and white and all messed up oh wow yeah. <laughs> remastered yeah so hopefully that'll be seeing the light of day soon uh, but worldwide folks started all the way back in 1975 that's right the ford administration yeah <laughs> holy moly long time ago it's, there uh, worldwide to me it's, it's so interesting that it was on like longer than most anything forever right and it started as wide world wrestling and they renamed yeah. it to worldwide wrestling to not be confused with like wide world of sports by abc well it is confusing it, why will the sports was a big fucking deal in the 70s and 80s it was, it was like very you better watch the show i you mean know? even peter jennings would be like whoa whoa worldwide, <laughs> wide world of sports is coming on i'm getting out of the fucking way right it's like and i loved peter jennings yeah i'm just saying like remember how like yeah. they would like tiptoe or sure. how prestigious wide world of sports was to abc because they didn't have anything else they like, needed it <laughs> like literally even the serious news people, we're getting the fuck out of the way because well we got to watch frisbee or some right, shit right. like on wide world of sports this is abc's wide world of sports <laughs> anyway worldwide was um it was not a cable show it was on yeah. uh, like television syndicated and stuff like that and it was not a main show but it was like it wasn't crap either. Yeah. It was important enough for most of its run. It wasn't like, you know, obviously the Saturday show for like Crockett was a big deal. You know, WCW Saturday night it turned into. Yeah. And worldwide, I feel like a lot of it took place in an arena, whereas like the other shows sometimes were studio. more in a studio. Yes. And worldwide was still like retained as this like weekly arena, arena show, tapings. like a relic for WCW at that point, like or NWA, Jim Crockett promotions. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was like we, we retain worldwide as our arena show. It was. It yeah. always was. It always was. Yeah. So it was a it was a good enough show, and uh, we've reviewed plenty of them before, uh, various years and things. But this time around, we were presented with 1989. So Michael, in early 1989, right now in the NWA, we are gearing up for a big flare steamboat feud that'll right. be going on. That's the main program in the NWA. It, it's so main they barely talk about it's it. It's not whole even mentioned. Here. Thing. <laughs> yeah. I, did they even say it? Other than there was like a commercial where it was like yeah. briefly in it. I don't think it's mentioned. But yeah. that's going on, and in the other. Uh, territory there the world wrestling federation you know the despised entertainment group up there up north yeah those jerks those assholes uh, were gearing up for hogan savage at wrestlemania 5 so yeah. that's the landscape here as we go to nwa worldwide quinn february 25th 1989 and the first thing before it even starts up we catch it on wpix in new yes. york wcw in the 80s on a new york local tv that's really weird that is weird i was surprised that they were carrying it up here by us but hey there was some had something in Passaic or whatever. I don't know. Like I, <laughs> it's I, a caucus. I could not believe seeing that on that. Is, Weird, it, right? it doesn't go together. I didn't realize you could get WCW on picks up here. Yeah, back then. Yeah, I guess you could. Mm -hmm. uh, now Ted Turner owned it by now. We should mention that. So right. even though it was a uh, NWA in name, still it is not Jim Crockett Promotions anymore. It is now World Championship Wrestling. I was a little confused yeah. about this show. Was it called WCW Worldwide or no, NWA. NWA Worldwide? They hadn't phased out the NWA name yet. They would continue to do so uh, as the '90s began. By '91, it's pretty much completely. They don't phased. need to pay those jokers yeah. anymore. Like, I'm sorry, but like, it always was jokers. weird to me that the NWA like. Yeah, at some point was like leeching off WCW slash Jim Crockett promotions, yes. not the other way around. Yeah, by like 87 yeah. is when it started the flip. Right, it was just like, 87, this is bigger than that. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Nobody was. cares about the other territories. They nope. just want to know what the fuck Ric Flair and the Horsemen and, you Pretty know, much, Sting Quinn. and 
Lex Luger and all those people yeah. are doing, right? Yeah. And Rick Steamboat, obviously. Yeah, and Rick now. Steamboat. Oh, uh, we get a fantastic intro song, I gotta say, with clips of all the hottest stars, like some mass jobbers and Dusty Rhodes, who's not there anymore. The music is very hopeful. Yes, I don't know is. how any other way to describe it's good. it. Good. Yeah. Very good music, yeah. in all seriousness. And then we hard cut to Jim Ross in front of a horrendous green screen angle. Hello again, everybody. Jim Ross here for Worldwide Wrestling. Thanks so much for being with us. Another exciting hour. He's in, like, the fucking sky. Like, seriously, like, this is the worst green screen angle ever. Like, possibly even worse than that Cole and Kevin Kelly from that <laughs> weird Raw where they're, like, sideways on a roof or like whatever. 97, right? Yeah, like, where they're, like, they're, like, too big. Like, the yeah, proportions is, is all fucked up. At least Jared's proportions make sense. The problem is... Where that, would like, he be if this was real? Okay, if, he, if this was real, right, the way he is, he would have to be, like, literally, like, his hands and feet would have to be like suspended by like ropes from the roof and his like back is like falling like towards it and he's just hanging but he's he's not facing the floor he's like facing the ceiling it's horrible and the it's awful it's like, like the sky sports ceiling cam yeah it's really bad this is the kind of shit that always drives my kids it's the whole show too yeah. every time they go even other people start hanging <laughs> yeah. with him from the in the sky like later it's terrible like they're, they're, somehow they're walking up there i don't even know they're like sideways and his double-breasted jacket is really shitty by the way anyway we see this is recorded in slp as dick murdoch and michael hayes wandering yeah into the sky yeah. like somehow <laughs> dick murdoch in 1989 what weird i didn't expect You're him. not even relevant anymore no. I like him, though. And then the next time he would show up, it'd be at the Royal Rumble. Don't bring that up. <laughs> Dickie Murdoch! Yeah. Uh, Jim Ross is like, this is where the wrestling happens. That's cool. Uh, not, no big boys yet, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no big boys. This is just where they wrestle. Yeah. Because over in the North, they don't wrestle. They entertain. They entertain. Yeah. Uh, Dick says, yeah, it's going to be a great year, and then he leaves. This is where the wrestling happens. There's a lot of things happening all over the world. You know, it's going to be a big, exciting year in 89, Jim Ross. So fat. It's going to be a great year in 1989. That uh, shit sucks. <laughs> good bah. insight there, Dick. Yeah. Uh, Michael Hayes looks like Kenny Omega's uncle now as he starts <laughs> talking about, we're going to do the bump and grind in 89. Man, is he greasy here. Seriously. Holy shit. Just looked like he dumped fucking hamburger grease on his head, <laughs> like cold hamburger grease. You know something? It feels so good to be doing the bump and grind in 89, Jimmy. You know what I realized? He's just Doc Hendricks, but like different words. More dance. <laughs> yeah, but it's like the same thing. He's yeah. like, oh, we're going to do the bump and grind. Like, that's Doc. How long was he involved in like, like, here's the thing is you're saying he's like Doc. It's Whatever because, your answer is, too long. It's because he's like already like in the booth too much. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, you're like, does he like wrestle? Like, yes. what is he? Like, I don't know. He does remember. both. Why is that always a thing with him? I don't know. You Ronnie know? Piper did it. I mean, I, other people did it. Yeah, but Piper wasn't wrestling when this... True, he was yeah. just said, I'm just going to sit here. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Jair looks thrilled to be doing this as he throws down the ringside where our ring announcer is Bob Cottle. I guess they downgraded him or Aww. something. What happened? I like him. <laughs> Hello, fans. Yeah, he's like, I'm the ring announcer now. No one even fucking knows who I am. Ladies and gentlemen, this event, a one-fall tag team match. Our opponents... Uh, he introduces the team of George South and Gary Royal already in the ring. Jobbers. Jobbers. Yep. <laughs> Their opponents, Quinn, are the Fantastics, and and, and I don't know why, but there's some hideous editing where you see Caudle leaving the ring as the Fantastics are introduced on a voiceover by somebody else. I don't know what that was. What was that? Yeah, I I I was curious about the same thing. Please welcome... Here are 
of the Fantastics. Yeah. You see, like, Coddle getting out of the ring. Maybe they were like, we don't want Bob Coddle announcing oh. us. Anyway, Fulton and Rogers come the out. The downfall of Bob Coddle <laughs> oh, here. He's <laughs> so good. And uh, the Fantastics here are just hugging a bunch of 60-year-old women. What a bunch of brown noses. <laughs> what was this? Like, they're just like, we love you, Hilda. <laughs> like, it, like, it was, like, weird. Like, hey, Richard like, Dawson? What yeah, is going like, on here? They were, like, hugging and kissing every single old woman <laughs> At rings, every single one. It's real. There was, it was like the entire Golden Girls cast showed up. And they were just like, we love them. They're taking forever to get to the ring on top of it. It takes so long. Anyway, the Fantastics with a really dorky high five to each other as Fulton starts with South. By the way, this arena is very dark and dank. It's dank. Like, like, I, like I understand that this is the arena one, but could you light it up a little bit better? Like, that's worldwide shit, right? It's an arena. Yes. Just make it look better. That's all I'm saying. Turn on the lights a little yeah. more. That's all you got to do. Uh, referee's going to be Teddy Long. Because 80s. Yes. <laughs> JR is alone on commentary, by the way. Why? Did they not care about Worldwide or something? Like, I thought it's their oldest, most prestigious or whatever. Because the thing you got to remember, Quinn, it's very serious. Right. They're, they're very like, this is no, this is a serious sport. We only need one guy what to is, call the moves. You don't, don't even banter on commentary. They do it in the NFL. <laughs> Even back then. I know, right? But that's probably the mentality. Like, you only need JR. Bob Costas and somebody. Yeah, and yeah. baseball with Tony Kubek. Uh, I don't know what we did with football, did but yeah. Gumble and Costas at one point go no. together? Greg Gumble or Bryant Gumble? Well, the sports one, Bryant Gumble. Greg. Greg, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Greg was okay. Yeah. Fuck Brian Gumble. Anyway. They always had good coats on on NBC. I never. <laughs> I always noticed that just on the side. Like, their announcers had good coats. <laughs> Like on ABC, it was a little shittier. <laughs> shittier coats? Yeah. All and bad. Fox, they don't even give a shit. They don't, I don't, I don't care about think the coats. they wear coats over there. <laughs> they wear coats. They, well, they got robots and shit. Remember? <laughs> yes. I'm, although I'm mixing up things from the 90s. Yes, but, you yeah. are. Body slam myself, <laughs> lock up, arm drag myself, and he struts around lock up and a headlock by Fulton and then an ass dance. Body slam and a hip toss by Fulton and a tag into Rogers. Remember when Rogers was on the other thing a few weeks ago? <laughs> WXO. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like a main he guy. was. Yeah, he was like still around. <laughs> He's like, hi, I'm, I'm, I'm still here. That I'm, other dork wasn't with him. No, Fulton Tommy was not. Gunn or whatever. What's his... Tommy, Tommy Fulton. Tommy, Tommy Fulton. Yeah. Now, the Fantastics were a good team. This is just 1989. They're like almost out the door. This isn't the Fantastics either, by the way. We just should say it's not the one with the thing on their face or whatever, right? That's the nightmares. What are you talking oh, sorry. about? Sorry. <laughs> they, they blend together to me. I can't even like tell the difference. Corner whip and a backdrop and South Tags and Royal. Royal kind of looks like Jeff Craney, but in a bad way. Side headlock. He does. Tag back to Fulton, but south of the punch. And then another Fulton turns it around and lands a few punches in the corner. Rogers with a snap suplex on Royal. Irish whip is reversed. Sunset flip by Rogers against a half count. Tag to South now, who fires away with punches off the ropes. Hideous forearm misses. Rogers now with some punches. Just tagged to Fulton. Fulton's hair, by the way, is total ass. Yeah, it's really, really it's bad. Really bad. Uh, he lands a sunset flip, but South with a tag on the way down. Royal now hammers away. <sighs> the faces with a quick double hip toss, and they catch South off the ropes. Nice sequence. That so. was. Yeah, I'll give him credit. The rest of this is just very wrestly, as we yeah. see an old man looking on with a stern face. Seriously, why did they decide, decide to focus like the camera on like just some random old guy? I don't know. And get ready, folks. This happens like the whole rest of the damn show. It's oh. like Kevin Dunn experience or something. <laughs> Nothing like a long, meaningless match going to open up a syndicated show. Yeah, That's how really, you really win us it over. It really makes you not change the channel to like Inside Anything. Edition or something. <laughs> like whatever's on basic at that point. tonight, yeah. you know, yeah. whatever the hell's going on. Yeah. Home Shopping Network. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Diamond Ladies uh, Designer Look Watch and the Early Warning Radar Detector, so stay tuned. 
Headbangers Ball continues with me now as promised from Exodus. We have Rick and Gary. Guys, welcome. Tyson, laid it on, carry it on, down goes Bruno, into the right. More information is coming in on the United Airlines tragedy this morning. On the campus of the University of Arkansas. Now here is Melissa Proctor wearing today's fashions in her latest Star Search fashion. Mm, yeah, Hulk Hogan, I remember the time that you came up begging to me, yeah, that you needed Elizabeth to walk down that aisle with you for extra inspiration because you were going against King Haku and you were worried, yeah. Me being unselfish, yeah, said, yeah, Hulkster, go. Excuse me, you have a review to be doing. Change the channel back to WPIX. Anyway, crappy crossbody by Rogers and then a power slam on South. As we get up, this is real. We get a close-up of an old lady chewing. These camera angles, like, what is this? Who's who's making these decisions? Like, yeah. why would you go to disinterested people? Yeah, that's what it is. They, they look bored. There's probably 60 other people who are super into it, but you go to them. Maybe. <laughs> like, look, adults come here to be bored. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's like what they're saying. It's so bad. Oh, finally, Rogers ends the excitement here with a Fez press on South for the win. Cool. <laughs> I'm sure glad this match happened. This is great. None of that mattered. <laughs> None of it fucking mattered. I love wrestling. Don't you just love wrestling yeah, yeah. for no reason? Yeah. It's my favorite. Anyway, hard cut to a musical promo for wrestling, I guess. It's supposed to make us want to watch something. What? Like, like what? Yeah. They don't say what it's for. Just they like- don't. They just, it's stuff. And there's there's music. There's nothing. There's nothing going on in this. Like you're waiting. Like oh, um, come to the live shows. Right. Or, or come like, to the, what the fuck's their next pay per view? Like yeah. Chi Town Rumble, whatever. It yeah. Is. I don't even we're know. We're doing a pay per view. So right. Nothing. No. Instead, it's just a bunch of stuff. Like JYD. Yeah. Cornette. Sting. Rick Steiner. Hawk. Sting again. Hawk again. Flair. A weird looking kid. Cornette again. Hawk again. Then the same clip of Flair. NWA. Catch the pinfalls. <laughs> That's a hideous catchphrase. I prefer where the big boys play over that. Like, honestly, catch the pinfalls. I OVP catch the pinfalls. Like, it's just horrible. That's terrible. Yeah, that's terrible. That's a lousy fucking catchphrase. I can't believe how poor that is. Oh my god. What were they think? This is like really. This highlights like what was going on over there in eighty. Like eighty nine's known for like. Management was just bad, right? It's like, yeah, Herd was there. Yeah, like this is like the kind of shit that, like, <laughs> I can't fault the wrestlers for this. No, like, somebody no, no. in fucking marketing thought that was the one, right? That'll bring them in, man. <laughs> I mean, what did they, maybe at Pizza Hut they used Catch the Pizzas at some point and they thought, we'll try it over here. Maybe, I, maybe in the MLB they used Catch the Baseball. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. But either way, now it's NWA Catch the Pinfall. This is horrible. Let's, let's do it. Anyway, we are now going to plug for the NWA main event hotline. Already shilling this shit in 89. <laughs> and it's already. And it's already 1909 It's the hottest number in wrestling, according to JR. And it oh, will wow. be for like 10 years straight, probably 12 till the collapse. It, like, it is. It's I like the even- end. I wouldn't even be surprised, Joe, on that final worldwide, because I don't remember now, but if there was somehow a hotline 
shill. I can't remember. Like, there might the have been. The company doesn't even exist anymore. There They're, was a magazine shill, and we were like, "What is there to talk about?" Yeah. I remember that. But they got to sell that last issue, yeah. right? I, like, they got to make yeah. sure they don't have anything left in the inventory. <laughs> like, but fuck, I bet you the hotline. I don't it's remember. Like, find out what happened after the show went off the air and everyone went home. Like, <laughs> everyone left. That's yeah. all. And Jerry Jared- followed Lex Luger to his car. Like, you know what I mean? Like, back to his condo. Yeah, exactly. With Liz. Anyway, Jr. says you. Can hear exciting play-by-play from ringside for the big event so wait a minute are you telling me that you can call into this number yeah. for 45 cents a minute and listen to play-by-play are you serious well it's, <laughs> would that be cheaper than ordering the pay-per-view well it's 45 40- cents a minute <laughs> times three three so, hours so, whatever so three hours right it's so 180, 180 minutes 180 right? minutes times, times 45, 45 cents. cents it's 81 bucks so no it would not no, be cheaper it's, it's not a good deal there's no way they have like recordings or something. So somebody's literally speaking into a fucking phone <laughs> and you hear phone quality and you can't see anything, but you know what? I bet you, okay, this would be very interesting. This might be a new Holy grail, Richard. All right. What if somebody recorded the phone quality commentary? There's like, no way. And it's different too. It's like, it's like somebody else. It's like not JR. It's like Bob Cottle. It's like Bob Cottle <laughs> on the beat here. Oh, here I am. I and don't know. He's calling it and they synced it up to the video. <laughs> Also, my Bob Cottle, I'm doing I'm doing Dick Graham. I'm sorry. Yeah. I forget how to do Bob Cottle. It's like, it's like one of those commentary, though. It's like nobody's Excuse ever even heard this. Like, <laughs> I don't think that's real. I think they just... They he, said it! He misspoke. I'm just saying. Imagine if it is real. Yeah. Also, kids, ask your fucking parents before you call this, okay? Yeah. Back to Ringside now, where the Terminator is introduced. He oddly looks like Mr. America. <laughs> like, like, seriously. He looks like, oh, yeah, it's real. That's not Hulk Hogan, right? Yeah. Oh, that's, well, it could be. He's in disguise. He's not, though. Mr. America's not Hulk Hogan, right? Oh, well, he isn't. You're He's right. not him. I am not Hulk Hogan, brother. The Terminator is a really creative name, <laughs> by the way. His opponent is Dick Murdoch, who is a face, by the way. <laughs> and he, JR literally goes, oh, well, center of gravity, a.k.a. he's fat. Yeah, like, he I'm not chunk. even joking. He's chunky here. He says this. I like Dick Murdoch in the ring, though. He's not that bad. He isn't? Did you watch this match? Well, this match. <laughs> Touche, Quinn. Yeah. Tommy Young is going to be the referee here as Dick goes to work with the side headlock see a 10 month old in the crowd because this stinks like they, that's the best they got <laughs> don't they have any people in like the middle of their lives watching yeah, yeah. we got babies and old men right is there yeah. anyone like 30 here seriously like <laughs> people who buy the tickets right because it was a, clearly a gift to the old men and the children and then seniors get a discount anyway so even if they bought it themselves it's not full price is there anyone not wearing diapers in yeah the crowd? <laughs> anyway risk talk by the terminator if you care at all the Terminator is Animal and Johnny Ace's other brother, Marcus. Excuse me? Marcus Lauren Ivan. It exists. sounds fake, right? Yeah, I, every, I feel like every week you make up a new Laurenitis. Like, there's, like, other ones that just have existed over the years. He's a Fury from Rage and Fury. That great team. I don't even remember them. <laughs> Who? JR plays. It doesn't matter. JR now says, um, we got something from Old Spice coming around. They're just fucking around in a wrist lock. JR is literally Quinn just talking about anything to keep this moving. I don't blame him. Like, talking about cold beers or whatever is way more exciting. It's true. Almost 300 pounds. Great movement there by the big veteran from Canyon, Texas. Route 2, Canyon, Texas. Dick Murdoch. Fans, we're going to tell you. Now, you can get an, your own official Old Spice NWA gym bag. 
we're still in a damn wrist lock like minutes here as a guy gets up and leaves in the back I'm not even <laughs> kidding like I literally saw him just get up and leave yeah. even Tommy Young is looking at these guys like really <laughs> as we see a middle aged lady what is with all these crowd shots like what is going on oh no they're all random <laughs> JR is meanwhile just filling the airwaves with sentences that have no conceivable period in sight it's yeah. like I'm wearing an old spice <laughs> and the cold Baron Dick Murdoch like just going on and on like he's a John Madden impression it's I'm not poor. even kidding Anyway, a lateral press by Dick gets one. That stinks! Like, it's horrible! Thought, Why is this happening? I thought yeah. the NWA, I thought 1989, like, you see good wrestling, you catch the pinball. This is garbage! This is horrible! Yeah. Dickie wins with a brain buster. Fucking cares! <laughs> Seriously, who fucking cares? Like, it doesn't matter. At least in the WWF, the squash matches, they're, like, up front about them yeah. not mattering. I thought this they're is also where... They're three seconds <laughs> yes. long. Like, if it really doesn't matter, like, if it's extra doesn't matter, it's, like, three moves pinned. Yeah. It's, like, over. I thought this was, like, where you always see good wrestling. Here's the problem, right? Is that... Here's the secret, Joe, right? Yeah. Is every promotion has to have, like, jobber matches that don't matter. I know. But that is the HLE's heel of fucking WCW <laughs> because they have to also say that there's wrestling, right? Yeah. So they can't have the match be over in two seconds because they have to make it look like there was an actual, like, match Contest. going on. So <laughs> the, here's what happens is no moves occur because you, but you have to make it longer. Normally, if no moves occurred in WWF, it'd, like be, 30 it'd be 30 seconds long. But here, it's got to be at least five minutes minimum, so you're fucked. You're just fucked. And that is the downfall right there about that strategy. <laughs> and it would be hard cutting into that same crappy music bumper, you know, with all the clips of Hawk. Yeah, you like NWA assholes? You better catch the fucking pinfalls. You better fucking catch them. They take five minutes, but you gotta catch him. Catch him. Uh, we come back for Tony Schiavone and his mustache are still here with two of the greatest athletes in our sport. And yes, he says that. Back on AWA Worldwide Wrestling, not only two of the greatest athletes in our sport, but two of the finest young men. The Fantastics. Ugh. So first of all, Tony, like, literally is just about gone at this point, and so is his mustache. Yeah, he's gotta go talk to Sherry in the fake locker room at <laughs> WrestleMania 5 soon. Therefore! <laughs> like, 60 times, remember? Yes. Don't I look hot? And then she, like, puts her finger on her butt or whatever, like, that whole thing. You know, Rock and Robin. Ha! Therefore. Yeah. Uh, secondly, the Fantastics have all of their gear on, which is a pet peeve of mine because they can't make this even look like they just wrestled. No, this clearly happened before. This probably taped like three weeks before the match. To be honest with you, there was no illusions about this like taking place at all during this. Like They didn't even act like that, so let's be okay. fair to them. Uh, let's also be fair that they cut a horrible promo about how 1989 is going to be a big year for them. That's not true. <laughs> Nobody even remembers these guys now. They're going to win the the United States tag belts again. <laughs> kind of aim for like the world, right? It's like the USA belts stink like they're terrible like they literally are the like we have too many tag teams belts all it is. like and so they needed to make a second one i know i'm glad the wwf didn't make that title because it yeah. would have been crummy uh, anyway rogers here just stumbles and bumbles all over the place but i guess quince they can do monkey flips this is better than the wwf right because they yeah. can wrestle this is much more entertaining and it doesn't matter who it might be whether it be the russians whether it be, uh, it doesn't matter to the fantastic because we've been training hard, we've been working out, probably myself are working on new moves, so nobody can get a, a tape of us and watch us and make sure that they can't move, know our moves. Because Bobby and I are showing new things every, every night we get on TV. Anyway, Shivani looks like he just smelled a fart as he sends it back to ringside. <laughs> Good. <laughs> First in the ring is Mike Thor, who looks like he smells like ham. <laughs> and then odd music for Sting fires up and he saunters out. Oh, oh he's very like, hi, <laughs> hi, I'm here. 
Like, also, when do you have this music? I don't know. Like, why is it so loud? It's like <laughs> blasting over like everything. It's, you can't even hear the fans. Like, I've never heard that before. I've never heard that kind of mixing where you can't even hear the fans. It'd be like literally if I just dumped over music right now. Over us talking, just saying whatever the hell we want to say. Sting's got shitty hair, including, like, he's still got the rat tail in 89. Mm-hmm. Horrible. <laughs> anyway, I can't wait for this as Thor attacks to start here. He fails, though, and Sting gets, like, a Vader bomb. Right. Lots of yelling by Sting. Lots of, woo! And the kids love him. You know why? Why? Because he's actually entertaining. Right. Even though he's not the best wrestler. It's funny how that works, isn't it? <laughs> it's true. And he's <laughs> literally, like, the most over guy we've seen. Interesting. Yeah. But he's not doing, like, tons of moves. He's doing a lot huh. of wooing, and there's children that also want to do the wooing. <laughs> See, you do something that looks kind of fun, right? Like then the kids, Not a rest talk! and then the kids want to, then the kids want to do the fun thing. They're okay. like, I want to woo too, right? You know, that's all you got to do is yeah. woo. Yeah. Mean, two top guys in the company, both of them woo. Yeah, Flair in his way, Sting in his way. Right, woo. That's also, why they were over. He also does the thing with his chest. Yeah. And the kids want to do that too. Exactly. In fact, they want to do it so much that there's like a guy that An does old it. Man. And Sting like does it next to him. He's like, you do it. Okay, I'm gonna do it. And like everyone's all happy. Nothing to do with wrestling. Yeah. Just getting over. Uh, anyway, Jailer just rambles on and on. Stings dicking around with this chubby baker and then wins with a scorpion hold as JR throws to an old spice commercial, which features <laughs> <laughs> Rick Steiner okay, and the I, NWA gym bag. I could not believe what they said in this because they basically, this is literally what they were getting at. They go, Rick Steiner has terrible BO. I believe that. But he uses old spice <laughs> and that shit fucking works. I'm not even kidding. Like, that's, that's the actually the ad. Rick Steiner trains hard to get his way in the squared circle, but even Rick's brand of discipline can't square away world-class body odor. I thought I was, like, going to have to make that up. No. Like, <laughs> like that's me usually, like, embellishing. No, yeah. they fucking say this. I know. It's like, even the terrible BO of Rick Steiner is no match for Old Spice. It's, like, incredible. They, like, put him down. Now, like, to be fair, though. In the commercial. If you look at Rick Steiner... Yeah, I believe it. I mean, look think, at him. Oh, think, God, would, do you think? Honestly, I would think Animal has really terrible BL. Well, probably all of the, the tag Artist team people. Do. Yeah. yeah, and bad breath, too. Yeah. You know? mm. I'm just saying. I think Hawk has less, worse BL. Do you think Hawk uses Listerine? Probably. He probably uses Banaka. He probably, like, takes care of his breath and, and So you think BL. he's deceptively hygienic? Hawk seems like a, a deceptively hygienic, because his haircuts, you know how I know this is because his haircut's always short. It's very clean. You can tell he takes care, right? Animals is all over the place. Yeah, that's why Rick is a good candidate for bad BO, because his oh, hair's yeah. all fucked up you always. Know, I don't trust yeah. him. But Scott, definitely fine. Doesn't have a BO problem. You don't think so? No. Can't even say BO. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Back to ringside, where Mike Justice and Rob <laughs> Keith, yeah, sure, who cares? They're introduced to a mixed react. Who are they? Their opponents <laughs> are already in the ring with Paul Jones. Like, really, really, we're still doing this? Yep. It's the Russian Assassins number one and two. Who? <laughs> like, serious? who? Creative name. <laughs> Even the crowd is like, what is this shit now? Like, the, the crowd is confused. Like, who are these guys? Yeah. I don't know who they are. Like, I don't know. Can we bring Sting back? Like, where's he? They don't care. This match stinks. I don't care at all. Yeah. Tommy Young is a ref again. JR says they're good, which is why we've never heard of them. As some hick, like one guy's like, USA! Does this shit even matter? No. Like, seriously? No. <sighs> That's the thing. No. Like, are they going to do a finisher that, that that I'm going to need to know about? Nothing and, matters. The Chi-Town thing or whatever? No. no? That's okay. the thing. 
They're not even talking about pay-per-view on They're this. They're not doing anything. Yeah. Paul Jones is shown looking like he works for Coldwell Bank. As, meanwhile, JR calls one of the assassins six foot eight, which would make Tommy Young six seven because they're standing next yeah. to each other. Mm-hmm. There's literally nothing at all going on to give any kind of a shit on. There's like a couple of mass faceless shitty wrestlers with CCCP on their tights beating up just not just wrestlers where JR keeps a monotone run on paragraph and I'm supposed to care. I hate it. I hate this. Some middle-aged man wiggles his tongue around. I'm not kidding. That's a real close-up close up they aired. It. They aired it on television. <laughs> I can't believe they did that. Just like boredly fiddling around with his tongue and his teeth. Why do they keep doing I this? I don't know. No one is excited. Finally, yeah. the assassins win with some dump-ass second-rope elbow. Thank goodness. That sucked. Horrible. Like, I'm so glad that that ended. Like, I'm not even kidding. Like, I'm just happy it was over. I clipped out. Like the mo- I didn't talk about the moves. You don't it's need all, to. It's horrible. Yeah. Go to break. We come back. We're JR on Stinger at the green screen. In the ceiling, of in course. The ceiling. Yep. <laughs> Sting doesn't have face paint, which means he has to have his sunglasses. You know what I mean? Right. And he's like, uh, you know, in 88, I was just goofing off with Flair and Wyndham, but in 89, I'm going to goof off too, but also be serious. Let me tell you something, Rossi. 1988, I was just goofing off with the Nature Boy. I was just goofing off with Barry Wyndham. I was goofing off with whoever I got in the ring with. Goofing off, but kind of serious. If you know what I'm talking about, I know I'm a little bit different upstairs. It's a great promo if you like shit. JR sends us to ringside now. We hard cut to Bob Guts or whoever it is. I don't know. He's teaming with Rick Diamond. Donnie Man. That's called, I <laughs> yeah. swear he said, and Rick Donnie Man, <laughs> which I thought was his name to the point where we got halfway and like JR called him Diamond. I'm like, oh, I got to <laughs> fix that. Like, I'm not even kidding. Donnie Man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next, uh, JYD and Ivan Koloff what? are introduced, and for reasons I don't even care to explore, Ivan Koloff's a face the here. Hell? And they have, like, dorky music. <laughs> it's like they're from the worst Mega Man stage, like, music. Like, like you know, like, every Mega Man has really yeah. good music, but right, there's right. always, like, one stage where it's like, I don't know, it's like just somebody who's not as good, and you're like, why is this in this? Because all the other music's good. It's like right. the one stage. <laughs> Is JYD automatically better now because this is the NWA or something? That's what I feel like. You know, like no, he's automatically well, worse. He's <laughs> nobody here. Like who? So he starts with foot harness or whatever the guy's name is. I literally don't care like at all. I'm not kidding. I seriously, you're so, you're so upset done. with this at this point. I'm done, Quinn. Yeah. I wanted something good. I was excited for this. I, I thought this was going to be great. JR's just rambling on again and again about oh the big thump. We see a shot of a bearded man looking down in disgust. <laughs> Great shot. What? <laughs> why do they? Get, I cannot believe. Like you would think, like after one or two times, they like this isn't working. Yeah, just don't just stop yeah, cutting to the crowd. Yeah, and they keep doing it. It's and horrible. It, and almost the reactions keep getting worse. Like people looking down. Like, <laughs> people just bored out of their minds. It's unbelievable. Watching this. <laughs> just terrible. Can they at least try to find crowd shots of people who care? I know. The only one that sort of makes sense were those ones with the kids during Sting. Yeah, it was fine. That was okay. What makes me, like, curious though, is like, maybe those shots existed of other kids for the other wrestlers or something, but they just didn't show them, right. so you think now it's boring. Right. You know? Yes. Anyway, Koloff gets in now, still looking pretty good, honestly. But what even is this team? Like, I don't know. What, I, this doesn't even make any sense. Like, huge big face JYD with super heel Ivan Koloff. I honestly don't know. I don't I, understand. Not familiar with what happened here. Uh, Snapmare and a leg drop gets two for Koloff. The woman is just bored. Yep. Tag is made to Diamond Donnie Man here, if that matters at all. Bob Dick back in. I don't know his name. With a shitty elbow drop for one, as JYD is back in now with a shitty headbutt. As I'd really like to thank Richard Land <laughs> for picking the absolute horseshit that this is. As a kid is shown looking undeniably bored. One-footed pin.
pain after a headbutt. Just horrible. Oh, why are the heels? Like, dogs seemed assy. <laughs> yeah, what was like, that? It seemed like dog inherited the heeldom from Ivan, not Ivan inheriting the facedom. Well, the dog was just working a little rough. Thank okay. you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go to break. We come back. We're Bill Holiday and Kip Montana are introduced in... You might know Kit Montana as Billy Gunn. I can't believe Mr. Ass was wrestling this <laughs> off. Right? The greatest ass. I think JR's here to call it. The greatest ass. <laughs> there he is. Mr. Ass. The, the greatest ass. I hate that. <laughs> Sorry, Billy Gunn fact. Yeah. Uh, their opponents are Steve Casey and Michael P.S. Hayes. And Hayes looking all greasy. It's like, ass. super fucking greasy. Who the fuck is Steve Casey? It definitely isn't Scott Casey, right? <laughs> no. No, is it him, though? No, like, he looks like Stan Lane on Quaaludes. I don't know who it him. is. He looks like Jeff Craney, but with, like, blonde hair. <laughs> and blonde, blonde Jeff Craney Jeff, on this show. He's a good fallback, you know? <laughs> yeah. Even the sound guy wants to get this shit over with. Like, <laughs> I do, just, too. He just hard cuts the music off. Yeah. And Rhea Perlman here showed every time looking <laughs> for it. As Hayes and Mr. Ass start with Hayes getting the upper hand. Hayes with some no-selling. What an asshole. And he's, and he's a face, too. Yeah. By the way, to your point about Michael Hayes, look what he's doing here. Yeah, like, I know. Who is this? He's like dancing around and just looking like an idiot. But like, what is this? Yeah. What is it? <laughs> nothing, like, it's nothing. The Freebirds are doing great here. It's he's wasting time. Kind of right. And then JR literally already fawning over Billy Gunn. He's a rangy kid. What? <laughs> what does that mean? Rangy kid. Rangy. Or, just, a rangy kid. Rangy. rangy. Why I play baseball or something? Like, I don't well, know. Rodeos. I don't yeah. know what he said. It doesn't matter. It's he did some kind of sports. Great. Yeah. Also weird that Doc Hendricks is fighting Mr. Ass, it's by the way. It's very odd. It is. Yeah. Uh, the other asshole tags in and he hammers away on Doc but gets caught in a choke. How is that legal? Choking? Yeah. It's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, Irish whip by Hayes. Sidewalk slam. Steve Casey now in with a drop kick and he cleans some house again. Tags in and out with Hayes before landing a hammerlock on Holiday. Chill, Casey. <laughs> like, seriously, like, chill the so fuck out. Guns back in, arm dragged by Casey into a wrist lock. Tag back to Michael Hayes. As a very bored lady in a power suit is shown. As JR hypes the DDT like it's new in 1989. Like, just stop. <laughs> like, just, we, there is a very famous man in another company that does that. Do not act like it's new in 1989. Stop. This is followed by a very tired old man in the Stevie Ray Vaughn hat. I'm not making any of these crowd shots up, by the way. Like, they're all real. Hayes is backing with a shitty reverse hammerlock here. By the way, so much arm in this match. Stop with the fucking arm. That's why bored people keep being shown is because it's just arm, arm, arm. Like, it was the same thing in the dick thing. Yeah, but Quinn, don't you understand wrestling? It's wrestling if you do multiple wrestling holds, not if you do one wrestling hold, the whole the arm, arm thing, arm, wrist, wrist, arm, wrist, 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 arm, arm. Arm wrist. Like, that's the whole fucking thing. I mean, you don't find that exciting? It's not. <laughs> so anyway, Hayes tosses Billy outside, hops down after as a grandma approves, tosses Billy gun back in, tag to Casey, Irish whoop, drop down leapfrog, super kick by Casey, tag back to Hayes, who lands the DDT for the win. That new move. There it is. And Hayes with his DDT. He, I mean, it's his version of the DDT, and it is so effective. Wow, that was so great. What a great match. Unfortunately, the show cuts off after this. You mean fortunately. Yes. We don't get to see JR and his hangover send us the hell out of here. This sucked. I wanted something good. This was horrible. Thanks, Richard. (laughs) That was fucking terrible. Nothing, like nothing more to say. It was just legitimately bad. Right. It was just so bad. And for those of you... I can't believe it. (laughs) Like, like I couldn't believe how bad it was. It was awful. Yeah. No one good on it. It was nothing nothing redeeming at all. Like, other than Monty Kim 
Kip Montana or whatever. Like Kip Montana. That's yeah. amazing. Like, cause his first name's Monty. Yeah. It's amazing. It's incredible. Monty Montana. That's the best part of the whole show. Listen, for those of you that like the Southern wrestling, you know, love the NWA. I don't I recommend this to them. No. <laughs> like even this is terrible. We wanted something good. That's yeah. like, I didn't want to sit here. I didn't want to be negative today. Yeah. I didn't want to have a, make fun of this. I picked this because I right. I picked this because I thought, oh, eighty nine NWA. I thought this gonna be great. So did I. Seriously, yeah. we're not anti NWA. We're not anti Southern wrestling. We like it. We like Continental. We like all that stuff. We really do. This was terrible. Yeah. This wasn't fun. No. This was poorly produced, poorly directed, poor camera work, poor green screen, poor arm locks and wrist locks and headlocks. And I thought we were over these like terrible shows by this point, right? I thought that we watched all the bad, right? But no. (laughs) Apparently not. Here here comes fucking worldwide. Taste the pinfalls or whatever. (laughs) Like, just, ugh. Horrible. Taste the pinfalls. And folks, we hope you liked your taste here of uh, OVP as we have romped you through the world of retro wrestling yet again. I just want to remind you, first of all, I want to thank you for being with us here in all seriousness. I want to remind you, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash OVP podcast. You get the pay-per-view reviews, all of them, and everything we do on Patreon is just five bucks. Give it a shot right now and see what you think. You can also leave us a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Please continue to send in topics for this uh, season for us to talk about. If you want to uh, check out more stuff, we never plug this. YouTube. We have yes. a YouTube channel. Just subscribe to it. OVP Podcast. YouTube. Just look for it. Yeah. There's more stuff there. But anyway, until next week, I am Joe Morata. That is Michael Quinn. Catch the pinfalls. See ya. The NWA Main Event Hotline is the hottest number in wrestling. Call now at 1-900-909-9900 to hear exclusive coverage of major NWA events from around the country. Hear exciting play-by-play from ringside of wrestling's big event. Hear what the NWA stars are saying about upcoming events and future opponents. Call on Fridays to hear the Ross Report. A look inside at the NWA. It's the NWA Main Event Hotline, your super source for major wrestling events, exclusive interviews, and informative features. Call now at 1-900-909-9900. There is a charge, and kids, make sure your parents know you're calling. Call now at 1-900-909-9900. The NWA Main Event Hotline is a must for all wrestling fans, so call today. That's 1-900-909-9900. Will you stop?